Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact is that werewolves only shed until their first full moon. We have a guest today because we are talking about Von Helsing, the 2004 Hugh Jackman flick, directed and written by Stephen Sommers. Yes, the mummy guy. And we have brought on board a friend of ours from our other podcast that you should be listening to, which is Gem Jammer. We have brought on Alexi Peppers, who loves Von Helsing more than anything, as I understand it. Only less than Pacific Rim. Uh (laughs) Nah, that's fair. I'm Alexi. Your insistence on saying it is Von Helsing when not a single character in this movie pronounces it that way is admirable. (laughs) I don't know. I played Curse of Strahd for like a year. (laughs) So yes, this is Van Von Helsing, a movie in which some people have very interesting specific accents. (laughs) (laughs) They have the most accents. They have the most accent. They pick an accent and they have the most of it. Victor! Some actors are being the most them they can be in this movie, and it's beautiful. This movie has more accent per accent than basically any other movie. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that Von Helsing is a movie that, like, it is the movie that Hansel and Gretel witch hunters really wanted to be. Wishes it was, yes. Yeah, but Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters was like trying to be way too edgy because they had that R rating cut, whereas Van Helsing is like fastidiously PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that they were going to show Hugh Jackman's ass and in fact filmed it that way, but then put a CGI loincloth in front of it because they thought it would be too distracting. <laughs> well, I mean, it is Hugh Jackman's ass. I can see why they figured it would be distracting. For context, folks, in 2004, this is post-X-Men and X2, but pre-X-Men The Last Stand. This is also post-Kate and Leopold. Hell yeah, Kate and Leopold shout out. <laughs> Mm, rich creamy butter yeah so uh moms liked hugh jackman yeah also teenage alexis to the point of having <laughs> i think probably at this point started my um let's call it a shrine let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> look i feel like anyone who is into dudes can appreciate a hugh jackman yeah yeah before he got like mega super like unreasonably ripped for, yeah. for wolverine yeah. Yeah, no, this was still, X1 was like, this is a, you know, sullen, sexy mountain man who's from Alberta. So I was smitten. (laughs) It's that magazine cover Hugh Jackman thing. Right, in the sweater from like Good Housekeeping. Exactly. (laughs) Again, I'd like to revisit the fact that this is written and directed by the guy who did The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Because it has a bit of that flavor in it, but I feel like it doesn't quite scratch all the itches that the mummy does yeah steven summers does not make films steven summers makes movies <laughs> i never even made the connection and it actually explains a lot because even as i was making notes again just watching it yesterday i kept writing that i'm very bisexual because this movie i feel <laughs> very bisexual for and i didn't actually have the mummy like as a young gay <laughs> I had seen it every now and then, but I didn't really have like a DVD or VHS or anything like that. So I'm not super familiar with The Mummy. I've watched it more as an adult and recognized its beauty. But so I never even knew that that's what Stephen Summers also did because I didn't really know his name. And so only after watching the movie and being like, yeah, I think I even wrote at some point like this is The Mummy for me. This was like my movie to watch and be like, I'm very gay for everyone in this film. And then I got to the end. I was looking at IMDb. I'm like, oh, it's literally The Mummy Guy. Okay. 
This explains a lot. Yeah, it's like they looked at the mummy, an adaptation of an old universal property, and they're like, let's give him literally every other universal property. Which is <laughs> great. Have him moosh them all into one movie. They were going to have the Gill Man. Like, and I love that too. Like, I have a, an appreciation for oh. old universal, like, classic horror. I wanted a movie with the Gill Man. I know. I didn't get another movie with the Gill Man edited until Guillermo del Toro said she should fuck the monster. Yeah, I could have had a sexy fish man in my life in 2004. <sighs> Steven Summers, it's not too late. Everyone from this movie is still alive. You can even have Kevin J. O'Connor. I know he makes you feel secure and comfortable. <laughs> Cross over with The Shape of Water. Do it. Do it. Would you believe that they have been trying to reboot this movie for a while? I heard that. <laughs> I heard at one point Guillermo's name was attached to it, which, like, I would lose my fucking mind. I think Guillermo would a quite different <laughs> thing with this movie. Like, so when you brought me on, I mentioned that, like, of all the things I care about, the only thing that's definitely more is Pacific Rim. And I was kind of contrasting the films in my head a bit earlier in that Pacific Rim and Van Helsing occupy a similar space in my life in that they are movies that at any point in time I will sit down and watch. No matter how recently I watched it, no matter what my other plans were for the day, <laughs> if someone's like, hey, you want to watch Van Helsing? It's like, yes. Now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Everything else is just thrown away. Yeah. And there's very few like Godzilla Final Wars, My Baby Totoro, if mm -hmm. I'm stressed out enough. Like there's a short mm -hmm. list of movies mm -hmm. that I will mm -hmm. at any point sit down and watch. I think the difference is that Pacific Rim, I will also make very passionate arguments is like a cinematic masterpiece and like the themes, the characterization, <laughs> the color, like the, the artistry of it is to be respected and like put up as an example. Van Helsing, I love it so much. Mm. I would not as passionately argue that this is like first class filmmaking that you gotta respect. <laughs> this is a poopy garbage movie that loves itself and loves you and it's having fun. It's having a lot of fun. It's got a lot of physical sets and like, I like it. I think it stands up really well, but it's not like movies should all aspire to learn something from Van Helsing. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't change the fact that I will watch Van Helsing at any point in any day. Before we get into this real quick, I just wanted to note that I started the movie, saw the PG-13 rating and what the listing was for, paused, rewound it to look at that again. Folks, this movie is rated PG-13 for, quote, Non-stop creature action violence and frightening images and for sensuality. <laughs> That's a pretty good advertisement for the movie, actually. <laughs> Why should I watch this movie? Non-stop creature action violence. <laughs> Non-stop creature action violence and sensuality. <laughs> I didn't know you could put an advertisement in your rating. <laughs> yeah. And by sensuality, we mean Kate Beckinsale is here. That's really all it is. It's mostly her. Also, a lot of vampires just like open-mouthed, kind of just like... Pawing at each other. Yeah. Pawing at each other, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's oh. a lot of jaw action in the, some of these kisses, <laughs> and I, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> oh, do you guys want to get started on this? So we start in with all the logos turning black and white, Yay! and then the Universal <laughs> logo turns into a flaming torch, because that's what we're doing here. So... <laughs> Goddamn good. I unreasonably love when a show that's otherwise in color decides to do a section in black and white. I just oh, I don't know why I love it so much, but I love this. We've got like a big mob of angry villagers marching down into the forest to an ominous castle that's Castle Frankenstein. And we get a super that's like Transylvania 1887. Sure. <laughs> sure. 
This is fine. And immediately, we slam right into, it's alive! It's alive! This movie doesn't believe in wasting your f***ing time. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. And we have Victor, the foppish little doctor boy. Yeah. Victor! 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 <laughs> I am abruptly reminded that in the book, Victor Frankenstein was a f***ing undergrad and made the creature in his dorm room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker didn't even have a PhD. I will bring up, I have the novelization of Van Helsing, which is mostly not interesting, but... I am so excited about this novelization, Alexi. The funniest thing to me is that it does start out entirely different. Like, so th for the most part, the novelization is just a beat by beat, line by line. This is what the movie is, which is not particularly interesting or funny. But it has an entirely different prologue that is like Victor really? Frankenstein in his happy life with his like fiance Elizabeth and his bestie Hugh Hector Henry. Really? Yeah, and and basically like more novel Frankenstein, though actually even less unhinged. And then basically him giving like a symposium on his research and being like, "What if we can control life?" And everyone being like, "Oh, you idiot! You <laughs> stupid piece of shit!" <laughs> And so he goes to Transylvania, where his family home is. Of course. And then Dracula's there. And the fun thing, too, is that they play with the idea of, like, oh, Dracula can't come in until he's invited, which is so not a rule in this movie. No. <laughs> no, not at all. The vampires just sort of wander around wherever they please. No, they just kind of go where they want. But that's, like, the only significant difference in the entire novelization is that they're like, we need to explain who this funky little man is. <laughs> Before we kill him. <laughs> and also, it, it explains a psychic bond. So, that's the deal. Generally speaking, a lot of novelizations are based on, like, the shooting script of the movie, not the final cut, which is why the Back to the Future novelization is so absolutely wild. Do you know, was there, like, a cut scene or something? I assume you've watched the DVD as many times as possible and you know all of the deleted scenes, Alexi. Yeah, I like to watch the DVD extras. There's one called You're in the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> which includes being able to turn on you're in the movie mode what does that do which will at key points bring up a spinning blade icon on the screen <laughs> what? <laughs> what and then what that if you click it will take you to a camera view that's basically they had another camera on set filming the main camera so that you can see why acting is hard because you can see <laughs> How ridiculous the rest of the scenery is around our heroes, Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I don't know. I've never seen any like recorded cutscene of this whole weird prologue. I can tell that the book came from like an earlier version of the script or something, mostly just because there's a bunch of places where there's like a great, really funny line in the movie that is just like a different, really lame line in the novelization. <laughs> Someone punched this up, either as they filmed it or shortly after. Spectacular. I suspect that Richard Roxburgh, who's playing Dracula, who we'll meet shortly, was doing some ad-libbing on the set. <laughs> oh, I sincerely hope so. <laughs> he knew what movie he was in. Which was interesting because, like, out of anyone in the principals, Richard Roxburgh is a guy who is mostly a stage actor. He has, like, one or two movie credits. Mostly he's in a theater company. So he's playing to the cheap seats in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. He is actually my favorite which is a lot because I still have a huge crush on Hugh Jackman, but 80% of his lines, I quote them, I love them. Like, <laughs> immediately he comes in with the crazy eyes and his delivery of a little thing like grave robbery is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, his delivery on that line is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. He is amazing. So, like, when he comes in, I love that our first introduction to Dracula is just Victor Frankenstein looking out the window, seeing a mob break down the door, turn around, and Dracula is just standing there <laughs> and yells, success, in his face. And Frankenstein is like, oh, it's just you. In a way that is genuinely relieved, which makes this even funnier. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like throughout this movie, and especially in this scene, we start seeing bits where Dracula just likes pacing as he monologues. And he does it because he's like a Dracula and can fly and whatever. He'll just do it like on the walls or in different like parts of the room just for fun. He'll pace and monologue on the ceiling. The thing you gotta understand about this he- Dracula and it's true for most of the vampires, and honestly most of the cast, but especially the Dracula, is that if he has a chance to do something more extra, he'll always do it. He'll do He's it. He's the most extra man <laughs> alive. He fucking wakes up extra. Every Everything he does. Like, this man will wake up and just wake up in the most dramatic way possible just because he can. Like he's giving a dramatic <laughs> monologue, but he might as well do it while also, like, walking over the top of the fireplace. <laughs> we cannot stress enough that this Dracula is doing the most Dracula accent that you have ever heard in your entire life. It's beautiful. <laughs> is it traceable to any location on Earth? Probably not. <laughs> but it is definitely a Dracula accent. And he's just like this. He starts at this high energy and he stays there the entire film. He is at an 11 at all times. Every scene. I admire his stamina. We find out through some exposition, and there's a lot of just exposition conversations in this movie because the screenplay doesn't care. You find out that Dracula funded Frankenstein so he can use the creature for something. Something, something. And we immediately get, like, like, slapstick because they're explaining this over top of the monster who is strapped to, like, a bench that the novelization calls a pod, which, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's just the hilarious slapstick of basically you've got Dracula on one side, you got Dr. Victor Frankenstein on the other, and they're going back and forth. He's my creature. And Frankenstein's monster's head will like dramatically snap to look towards his father. And then it's like, you know, I would never use him for evil. And Dracula's like, I will. And the creature's head just snaps the other way. And it's just doing this like back and forth, like double takes. It's hilarious. <laughs> At some point, Frankenstein, like, pulls out a sword and he's like, stay back. And Dracula just walks forward, impales himself on the sword. It's like, you can't kill me, Victor. (gasps) No, no, Victor. It's very good. And also something very important happens in this scene, which is every time I watch a Stephen Summers movie for the first five minutes or so, I'm sitting there like, show me the boy, show me the boy. (laughs) And then Kevin J. O'Connor shows up as Igor. And I'm like, yay. (laughs) Igor, help now, me! Is it, is it him that's Benny? Or you is have it been so kind? That's Benny. Also, Dr. Mindbender. Also, some random ass guy from Deep Threat. Just, he was in every Stephen Summers movie. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's always here. <laughs> I think it's the first case of the novelization of a line being just straight up better because he says, Oh, you were so caring, so thoughtful, but he pays me. Which is like, not even he pays me more. It's just like, bitch, you should have paid me. Which. Hilarious line. In the novelization, it's if they catch me, they'd hang me again. And we see that Igor has like a f***ed up neck. Not nearly as funny. Not nearly as funny. No. No. 
Not nearly as funny. No, not at all. I also like this, like, massaging of how, like, between a bunch of the old Universal monster flicks, like, Igor is both, like, a Dracula minion and a Frankenstein minion, so I like the idea that there's just the one guy and he freelances. (laughs) (laughs) We get some hunky new minions, but we'll get to them. It's like Uber, but for henchmen. (laughs) He's just on hench. It's sort of the opposite version of the solution that Discworld presented, where it's just lots of Igors and they all share body parts. (laughs) The big angry mob, the big unruly mob is, you know, breaking down the doors. They've got torches, pitchfork, they're yelling, they want to find the creature. Eventually, Dracula just kills Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, and he's so busy draining this twink that he doesn't even notice an eight-foot monster breaking free of his bonds (laughs) and running away. (laughs) Not before the monster picks something up and tosses it at Dracula, which careens him directly into the fire, which explodes a little. And then when he walks out of the fire, he does this sexy little like adjusting his coat. And he has this piece of hair that hangs kind of in front of his face, very stylish. And it regrows before his face skin is done. Because again, the most extra option possible is always what this man will choose. (laughs) It's like Stephen Summers really, really liked the effects of, like, the mummy in the mummy regrowing skin and stuff. And they were like, what if we did this but really fast with a Dracula? And also a whole bunch more. (laughs) It's 2004. We have the technology. It's not very good, but we have the technology. (laughs) So the creature, of course, because this is Frankenstein, the movie, picks up Victor Frankenstein's body, runs out of the castle towards the convenient old windmill nearby. You know, the old windmill that's always there? Because he has to go to the windmill. He has to go to the windmill. The one where we store our absinthe and Bibles. (laughs) Yeah, the the windmill that is just chock-a-block full of bottles of absinthe and Bibles. So he like it does this whole dramatic thing. He gets to the top as the villagers chase him to the windmill. He throws up Victor Frankenstein's body. He's like, "Why?" And everyone's like, "Oh no, it said a word. Ew, gross." <laughs> also operatic. Oh yeah, like the pipes on this Frankenstein. That's the main thing I would describe this Frankenstein. Out of the seven bodies, like the pipes came from an opera singer, no question. <laughs> One hundo. They try to set the windmill on fire. It works because, again, chock a block full of absinthe. <laughs> the windmill explodes because that's the only way that can happen when something is on fire in this movie. It must explode. I mean, sawdust and airborne flour also explode. It could have just exploded for that reason. Nah, absinthe. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. We've got an exploding windmill because it has to. Which, I mean, the visuals, it's amazing. Like, the blades are on fire and still spinning. It looks extremely cool. Also, we haven't mentioned the soundtrack yet, and it goddamn slaps. Oh, yeah, the soundtrack (laughs) is actually by, it is Hans Zimmer is doing the soundtrack for this, and you may know him because he has done lots and lots of movies. Calling back, he did the Back to the Future movies in particular. Also Muppet Treasure Island, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. He's doing the most here. Everyone is doing the most in this movie. I have generally always had this soundtrack on like my iPod or whatever, and I have not gotten sick of it. It's good music, and it's also like really good adventure music. I find it's the kind of music that's very like invigorating if you have to do work to it, because it's just like it pumps you up. (laughs) 
extremely good. So the windmill explodes. It's really cool. Dracula and his brides land. This is the first time we see the brides. And the brides instantly just start screaming in sad terror and grabbing their faces. And grabbing each other. That's what they spend most of the movie doing, honestly. <laughs> they're like drunk girls at a party in the bathroom when like one person's gotten dumped and they're all just like <laughs> screaming at each other and moaning and holding each other dramatically. And like there's always a fan just off set gently billowing their diaphanous gowns as they flail slowly at each other. You know the idea that you have in your head of what a hired mourner must look like? It's these women, except ratchet that up about 80%. They are the gauziest dames. (laughs) They are the gauziest dames. Smash 2, one year later! In Paris. And we suddenly are in color. Yeah, it's in color now, because we're in Paris. And the Eiffel Tower is half I guess the impl- to put you in the time. See, it's in the past. I guess the implication is that Mr. Hyde has been doing the murders at Rue Morgue instead of the orangutan. We do not talk about the orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> we have Van Helsing as he has, like, his hat on. He's got, like, a scarf pulled up around his face or a mask or something. So all you see are Hugh Jackman's eyes. It's a cool bandana with a sigil. <laughs> Which again, I love in the novelization, he's like, I'll make sure to keep my bandana and everything on so people can't tell it's me because I'm wanted. Because that's also, there's like a wanted poster he tears down. And it's just like, my dude, you're in a branded bandana with your giant hat and your giant <laughs> coat and like your buckles. You are the most recognizable person. Yeah, the bandana has a sigil <laughs> on it. It's not helping you be hidden. You are the second most main character looking guy in this movie. <laughs> I'm also mildly obsessed with the fact that, like, in pop culture, we've built up Van Helsing as this legendary monster hunter, but originally in Dracula, Abraham Van Helsing is this, like, old-ass hematologist who just, like, the only reason he knows vampires exist is because his wife ended up getting, like, a rare blood disease that turned out to be vampirism. He's not a supernaturally powered vampire hunter, he just did the reading. (laughs) He's just an old dude. He's just an old dude who knows stuff about vampires and also blood. Yeah. He's just a dude. He's just a dude. Gabriel has combined the dude of Van Helsing with the cowboy and has made them into one person. (laughs) (laughs) He is the most yeehaw man in Europe. (laughs) There is a shot later in the film where he's walking through the mist and he's got like his giant duster cloak. He's got his hat. He's holding a pistol because that's also what this movie can do. And he looks like a cowboy. And I was like, hey, huh, this is scratching multiple itches. (laughs) (laughs) So Von Helsing wanders around, he finds a dead woman, and he turns around and he looks and he sees a dude climbing up Notre Dame who is going loudly because he can hear it from all the way across, like, the river, like, (laughs) Also giant novelty cigar. Oh, yeah, he's got a giant novelty cigar. He leaves them at the scene of the crime, I guess. We head up to the bell tower and, like... Rip Notre Dame. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. And it's, like, awkward because you almost think for a second, oh, is this going to be some kind of hunchback of Notre Dame thing? Because there's songs for this. And no, no, it's Mr. Hyde. And he's, like, just an enormous, like, flesh hulk. He's a monkey monkey man. Or a Shrek, as my brother said. (laughs) He's a Shrek. He's a Shrek. He's a very large Shrek, and he's got green pants. This is also the first time that Hugh Jackman takes off his hat, and we see that he has the most soft, wazy hair. God, he's got so much hair. It's beautiful. Apparently it's extensions, and it's gorgeous. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess he wouldn't have had time to grow his hair out between X-Men movies. No, probably not. And you know how much styling the Wolverine spikes take. <laughs> his beautiful, sexy hair, which everyone has beautiful, sexy hair, pretty much, except maybe Faramir. <laughs> he had enough beautiful, sexy hair when he was Faramir that he doesn't need it here. No. It's cosmic balance. Von Helsing is like just kind of standing as Mr. Hyde just sort of flips around, attempts to antagonize him, takes his hat, and Von Helsing's like, you're under arrest. My people would like to bring Dr. Jekyll back, but personally, I would like to just kill you and be done with the whole thing. And then an action sequence happens. Well, first Mr. Hyde eats his cigar, which, that's a choice. (laughs) This big monkey man is basically always drooling and chuckling to himself at all times. And he's basically like a big British soccer hooligan. That's also a Shrek. Played by Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> oh, yeah. The er big rugby hooligan. He bangs up Van Helsing just enough to get the sexy blood trickle out the mouth. The most <laughs> photogenic of injuries. And over the course of the fight, Van Helsing pulls out what you would not think would be his signature weapons, but they kind of are. <laughs> How to describe these? You know Crimson Typhoon from Pacific Rim? <laughs> It's like those handheld spinning saw blades. Does he use those at all later in the movie or is it just the same? No, he uses them like three times. Okay. This is the first time we get to see that this weird period adventure heist is also basically like a gadget movie, at least as far as Van Helsing's concerned. Yeah, like steampunk thing. Like there's a gas propelled crossbow. Yeah, it's like a steampunky thing. That'll come back a lot poorly. Thanks of gears. Is amazing. Things have gears. Like when you see the Frankenstein creature like wandering around, <laughs> he's got like a leg brace that pumps steam out, I guess. But I also like the contrast. So most of the things in the whole movie, and especially everything associated with like Van Helsing and then like the Valerians, is like ornate. It's gorgeous. It's like got nice shiny mixes of like silver and like bronze, and it's got like sigils on it like these are pretty they're not just functional which is the same as we get later to like the repeated crossbow where it's actually gorgeous it's got all this like filigree and detail work which is a nice contrast too because i do like that as opposed to i think some types of steampunk even though dracula's castle and all that stuff is very like ooh, it's technology it's like not clean or fancy everything is covered in spider webs and dust and is also constantly either on fire or sparking. <laughs> and every other person is just a peasant. Yes. But everything he has looks extremely fancy. So they're very pretty spinning saw blades, which he uses to cut off the hand, the arm. Yes. Which then makes a little deflating noise and shrinks into an old man arm. And he says, I bet that's upsetting, which feels like a dick joke. <laughs> 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 but I'm not. 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, it feels like there's something subconscious there. So, like, he cuts off Hyde's arm, they fight some more, eventually they get up to, like, the top of the bell tower, Hyde throws Van Helsing off of the tower, whereas Van Helsing shoots a grappling hook gun that he has... <laughs> And instead of it latching on anything like on the tower at all, on the entirety of Notre Dame, it punches a hole through Hyde. It's so fun. It's so fun. 
and latches onto him. And this is where we get introduced to this movie's preeminent obsession, <laughs> which is stuff swinging off of other stuff. This movie loves stuff swinging off of other stuff, like to the exclusion of all other things. It's very true. Again, it's oddly similar to when Hansel and Gretel just really loved people hanging off the back of brooms. You say people, you mean Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Jeremy Renner, yeah. Is he a people? Is he a people, though? <laughs> Honestly, like, I was bracing myself this entire movie. Let's head this off at the pass right here, folks. This movie does not actually, despite the amount of ropes and people swinging from them, it has. Nobody is actually pulled from the forest floor through a bunch of trees <laughs> while something flying pulls the rope through. Okay, so we're not three for three. We are not. We're not three for three. Shocking. But yeah, several times I've seen people swing around on ropes in this movie and been like, that That probably would kill a person. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of the whole like, what is it, the way Spider-Man killed his sweetheart in that one comic. Yeah, I was just thinking of that, like the Gwen Stacy snap. We're ignoring, except at the very end, the concept <laughs> that someone being uh, picked up or basically having their momentum change extremely fast by someone on a swinging thing would ever be harmful. <laughs> it's fine. You can just, people get yeeted. A lot in different places via <laughs> swinging ropes and grappling hooks. Speaking of which. So he gets back up and he yeets the old man off the Notre Dame. Yeah, hide is hide until like right before he hits the ground. Like he turns into Dr. Jekyll enough for Dr. Jekyll to register what's happening and go, oh no. And there is a bit, I guess it must have been when he yeeted hide through something, but it literally leaves like a man-shaped hole in the thing that gets broken through. Like through the rose window. Through the rose window of Notre Dame. <sighs> like the most important stained glass in the entire <laughs> cathedral. <laughs> it's really fun. There's just a Mr. Hyde shaped hole in it. It's very good. <laughs> it's really good. It's also another one of these strange things. Like, so they made a lot of multimedia tie-ins to Van Helsing. I think, you know, they wanted it to be a bigger thing. And so yes. there is an animated short that is Van Helsing and Mr. Hyde, like, fighting in, I think, the London Underground, like, basically, that is, like, the whole backstory. Like, they reference, like, oh, you miss me in London, not quite, which makes, is like, oh, okay, we're doing, like, an immediate res thing. No, <laughs> there's a tie-in. There's a tie-in animated short, which I haven't watched in a while, but I remember being not particularly interesting and not nearly as fun. <laughs> well, it probably has a bit more grace to it than Palpatine returns to Star Wars in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> the main fun one is that I believe, so there was a video game tie-in to Van Helsing, which actually got a bunch of the same people to come back and do voices. I think not Hugh Jackman. Its main thing is adding a bunch of like fleshing out the super weird lore that gets casually dropped later regarding Van Helsing's true identity. Because as we're about to find out, amnesia plot. <laughs> <laughs> As Dr. Jekyll's corpse is just on the ground now, in the middle of Paris, we cut up to Van Helsing real quickly, who does a full-up assassino rescue contentace. Yeah, that's actually uh, the Catholic last rites that he's reciting. I know. <laughs> that's why the grammar on it is so bad when Ezio says it in Latin. But there's no way I can't associate it with Assassin's freaking Creed. Yes, I'm aware. It's useful to have something that you can do after you kill it, dude. It's like a nice coda. It's a nice like, okay, the fight scene's done. <laughs> he did his taunt. He did the cross thing. <laughs> And, see it. and we also have like a cop looks at the body, looks up at Von Helsing, and just yells, Von Helsing, you murderer! And that's the scene end. As the music swells. 
And this is one of the really weird missing scenes that I don't believe is in the deleted scenes, but in the novelization on his way out. He pulls his gun on a dude, and then the dude's son comes out and is like, you gonna shoot my dad? No! And then Van Helsing runs away and is like, truly, I am the monster. You gonna shoot my papa? <laughs> oh my god. Please, sir! Is this time for a papa? papa. <laughs> I think they were right to cut that scene. <sighs> I feel like they walk the line. We're just a little bit more, and Van Helsing would be, like, annoyingly broody and angstful, but they I think they don't actually quite get there. And I'm glad that's partly through things like cutting the scene of, Oh, papa, don't shoot my papa. <laughs> it's just enough that it's funny without crossing the line into annoying. We change our scenes to, okay, so the super says, <laughs> it says Vatican City, Rome, it should be Vatican City, Vatican City, but who's counting? Not this movie. It's a scare. Don't worry about it. This movie does not respect the sovereignty of Vatican City, and neither should you. <laughs> I have a note here where I said Vatican City, but who's counting? And then I actually forgot that I wrote a little sub bullet there that said, it's Dracula. He's counting. <laughs> Obsessively. Very good. <laughs> We have this amazing sequence where Von Helsing goes into a confessional and starts in on, bless me, father, for I have, and the cardinal is like, Sind, yes, I know, you're very good at that. And they have a sassy conversation. So sassy. This guy is M. So the next 10 to 15 minutes of this movie are just straight out of a James Bond movie. It's just a <laughs> steampunk James Bond movie. You've got M lecturing Van Helsing about how he's such a loose cannon. And then you've got the whole fucking Q sequence. It's incredible. I am curious. Does the priest always at all times have the option to trap you in the confessional <laughs> box if you try me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a Vatican thing. Because Van Helsing at a certain point is like, I'm sick of being called out, dad, and tries to leave. And there's like a poor Cullis comes down of like, nope, not until you're done confessing, boy. <laughs> because behind it is a secret entrance to a, a hidden order that I don't think they actually name. No, they don't. There's just a secret order. And like, you learn so many things in short order. This is a really like exposition heavy sequence. And it's great because like, first off, we find out that Von Helsing has amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> and second, there's a secret order. The Cardinal tells Von Helsing, who already knows all this, by the way, that like, we found you when you walked up on the steps and we could put you to good use and we track all the things that go bump in the night and we're the ones who bump back. Wait, wrong movie. Wrong movie. <laughs> Similar vibes, wrong movie. <laughs> we walk back a few work tables with a bunch of extras on them in various cultural garbs, so you can tell it's a diverse workplace. I, uh, yeah, and I actually kind of like it because, like, I'm not a fan of the church and not normally big on, like, ooh, yeah, cool church superheroes. But they at least do have this weird point, and the novelization even, like, calls out, like, basically it is, like, in the background, they make sure that you see that there are, like, rabbis and imams and like hindu priests like basically it's like oh this is hosted in the vatican but it's a uh, multi-religious organization it's an interfaith organization yeah interfaith monster hunters it's called a salute <laughs> to all religions but mostly catholicism yep. <laughs> and that word did not come out of my mouth right but i'm not doing another take deal no. with it lucas the blacksmith is apparently a buddhist monk so that's fun 
making weapons, which we don't have time to explore that. But... <laughs> no, there's a lot going on here very quickly. We also discover that the Cardinal here has a presentation all ready to go with his steampunk projector. <laughs> Ye old school, high school projector. <laughs> <laughs> About Von Helsing's next mission, which he has to go, okay, he's got to go east to Romania to face a Count Dracula. And they've already got like that Vlad the Conqueror image with Richard Roxburgh's face pasted over it all ready to go. I love it. <laughs> we get Boris Valerius, king of the, a word you're not supposed to use for Romany people. <laughs> who has a radical eye patch. It's weird because it also like doesn't really come up. It's just a bunch of people with funny accents who live in a village full of just randos. Yeah. It's not even an interesting cultural connection. No. They just toss it in there because it's Transylvania. Yeah. It's flavor. There are three things you have in Transylvania. Castles with monsters in them, Romani people apparently, and random ass villagers with pitchforks. Those are the only <laughs> things that are in Romania according to this movie. These are also some sexy glamour headshots that they have. The yeah, that are they also have like... some amazing headshots. And they're recent. Yeah, who took these pictures? <laughs> who took them and who sent them over? And we get to see Anna for the first time, our female lead. She has really nice mascara. <laughs> Person in 1880, whatever. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> the backstory we're given is that Valerius the Elder promised God that his people would never rest nor enter heaven until like they had killed a Dracula. <laughs> and it's been 450 years, so that's not going so well. <laughs> yeah. The pastor says really frankly, they're running out of Valerius. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some questions about why someone who is from Romania would go to the Catholics in the Vatican. But listen, I'm that pedant who's married to an Orthodox man, so I'm vaguely familiar with the Great Schism. <laughs> it's fine. I did look this up a little. Oh. So technically, 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 if... Maybe he was a Catholic. It's not impossible, especially if he lived in the Intracarpathian regions in the 15th century. But OK, by the 19th century, it's still total bullshit that those churches in the village don't have Orthodox crosses on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's maybe a loophole, but I don't think this movie was looking at that loophole at all or interested in exploiting it. They didn't care. They usually don't. <laughs> they really didn't. Anyway. The novelization at one point name drops the Cluniac reforms, which... I don't know. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's fine. This movie doesn't care. Don't worry about it. There's like a four-legged dog skeleton in the back of this scene. I, they don't care. If there was an extra bar on that cross down on the bottom, it would just confuse the audience. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was made for Americans. They don't know what an orthodox <laughs> is. Uh, we meet in short order. We've got the picture of Valerius the Elder. We've got Boris Valerius, king of the Romanes, who has disappeared. We see his son, Prince Velkin. He's not very made up particularly well because we don't have to care about him for very long. And then Princess Anna, <laughs> who is Kate Beckinsale in like the most... And her Kate Beckinsaleist. Yes. Yeah, in like a bodice and like high boots. She's got a sword and there's a lot going on with this that is made specifically to appeal to sapphic people, I think. Yeah, we're gonna see this costume in detail really soon and my goodness. Yeah. 
I'm so into it. In the meantime, we get a couple more items. We find out that Valerius the Elder, he left an inscription on this little piece of rolled up parchment that says, in the name of God, open this door. And there's an insignia of a winged serpent. And they're like, yes, it matches your ring, Von Helsing. And then we find out that Von Helsing has a ring. (laughs) We are just now finding out that he has a ring. I guess they knew that there was this connection and just kept it secret for like the seven years he's been working for them because they're dicks like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. They did not bring it up at all until now. I mean, it is the Vatican. Anyway, let's go meet Q. (laughs) His name is Carl now. It's Faramir. (laughs) This is Faramir. Oh, Faramir. And he's a friar who likes gadgets, cursing, (laughs) and fucking. (laughs) he's a friar he's allowed to do all of those things yes that's very important to remember this he loads up von helsing with some rings of garlic some holy water a silver stake i question if that actually works on dracula's because it's not a wooden stake but silver's more broadly applicable it's fine crucifix he vaguely mentions some explosive glycerin but i don't think that goes into anything except for his like magical bomb that he pops out after he's got a gas-powered repeating crossbow. There's a howitzer. They do use the glycerin. They use the glycerin in the carriage crash later. That's the oh, that's the thing that blows up. that's where that is. Yeah, that's why the carriage blows up. It doesn't blow up just because, like, they thought the carriage was a car <laughs> and treated it as such. I assumed. Silly me. <laughs> so many things explode in this film. Yeah, so many things explode in this movie when they shouldn't. Also, we cannot stress enough, this gas-powered repeating crossbow is dope as hell. It is extremely cool. This is so painfully from a Bond movie, I'm surprised that Faramir didn't actually say, no, listen here, Mr. Van Helsing. (laughs) (laughs) They have a great vibe. And I actually think that this is part of what helps cut through the, like, Van Helsing being too much of an angsty badass, because I think it's common you get this, like, oh, there's the dark Brody character, and then there's the lovable loudmouth assistant sidekick but usually there's more of the badass is like not openly fond of the talkable one or is like you know still kind of getting the better of him and i think that they have like a nicer relationship that they do seem to genuinely like each other carl actually calls out van helsing on his shit in a way that van helsing doesn't have any kind of witty retort to like <laughs> it's fun in a way that i think cuts through like oh no one understands me you know my life sucks <laughs> i have amnesia <laughs> because carl will be just like Yeah, right. Get over it. And Van Helsing will just kind of be like, yeah, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm very glad Carl comes along on this trip. He doesn't want to come along. He doesn't want to go to Romania where there's Draculas. I don't want to go to Transylvania, Van Helsing. (laughs) (laughs) But they make him go anyway. The movie's better for it. Meanwhile, in Transylvania, we see Velkin, who is sexily tied up to a wooden stake in the middle of the woods. (laughs) Which novelization aside is apparently the ritual stake that the villagers sometimes tie human sacrifices to. And that's why the werewolf is like, oh, cool, snack. (laughs) Why do they have a ritual stake that they sometimes tie human sacrifices to? Why do they just have that? It's just, it's that kind of place. (laughs) It's the kind of place where the idea that the vampires eat one or two people a month is like not a big deal. You know, one or two. Just one or two. I think that they always say just, just one or two people a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's one or two murders a month. That's fine. Listen, there's definitely a a really big population in this town. (laughs) They can absorb a loss of one or two a month. The population of this town is like riffraff and maybe 12 other people, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) 
there's this fight where Velkin is trying to bait a werewolf who does in fact jump out to attack and Velkin and Anna and some rando villagers try to trap the werewolf. It doesn't go super hot, but what is super hot is Anna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anna's extreme hotness in this scene makes up for the fact that these are the least competent werewolf hunters I have ever seen. None of them think <laughs> to get the gun with the silver bullets in it, except Anna. There is only one gun with silver bullets in. They could not share the bullets at all. And meanwhile, the fact that they're shooting at the cage with the werewolf in it lets the werewolf out. This plan is very poorly executed and planned, but yeah, we get the most, like... From her boots all the way up to her head, a panning shot as she spins around and unleashes a sword. It's really hot. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. This entire werewolf hunt scene is like, you know, in D&D, every party will spend like an hour planning out what's going to happen during this boss fight. It all falls apart within like round two. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's what this werewolf hunt is. Yeah, that's what this is. God, I just I can't get over Anna's outfit because it is really dumb. It looks great, even though it's really dumb. And it's like... <laughs> The most main character costume in this entire movie, she looks like absolutely no one else, not even her brother. She looks like absolutely zero other characters in this movie. Looking at Anna in a crowd shot is like looking at a classroom full of anime kids and there's the one main character in bright pink hair and an unusual uniform in the back looking out the window. And her sleeves. You know in RPGs where like the random NPCs are just made of a bunch of stock assets interchangeably, and then there's like the characters that have the unique body meshes? <laughs> That's this. Every piece of clothing she has is embroidered. Like, <laughs> ugh. Okay, let's go through this. So it's this red and white puffy blouse. <laughs> underneath a bodice that is like what is that like dark brown or is that black leather with like a million buckles tight pants the tightest pants also a pair of heeled boots with a bunch of buckles as well and that is all topped off with like a super crop jacket with like open sleeves that's like velvet red what is she wearing it's beautiful it's gorgeous <laughs> the jacket sleeves like go all the way to the end but they're cut in a way that like the fancy bodicey bit like swoops out from the slit. So she's got like these big drapey sleeves. It doesn't make any sense that she has any of this as a fucking monster hunter, but God, it looks good. No. <laughs> so many things that can get caught on things. <laughs> and so few ways to breathe. <laughs> but my God, it looks great. <laughs> and she is constantly like doing flips and acrobatics in it also. Like they make it very clear that this does not inhibit her because she does flips just for the sake of doing flips, basically. I feel like she must have been in wires the whole time <laughs> because there is no point in which she is not doing Spider-Man flips. We do also get to see our first werewolf. And let's talk about the werewolves at Van Helsing. <laughs> they look really good. I like the werewolves. They're my favorite werewolves. I haven't seen another property with werewolves that I liked as much. They've got these really cool pointy ears and just something about the way that they move like actually seems pretty cool. Like these are my favorite werewolves. And also every werewolf is unique. Every person gets their own werewolf Sona. It's great. They're my favorite werewolves. I also like that the werewolves actually use wolf noises instead of lion and tiger noises like every other fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. 
These are like kind of like furry werewolves. They're like kind of dude shaped, but mostly on the ground. They are completely naked. They do have big wolf heads. I really appreciated this because like I think prior to one of the last times I saw this, I had just rewatched like Underworld and been incredibly disappointed by the werewolves in that one. So this was just a breath of fresh air. This is how I want werewolves to look. They're the best. They're great. These are great werewolves, especially for like a Universal Monster movie-esque flick. Yeah, apparently they specifically like this first werewolf you meet that like within the film, you never learn like, who's this dude? They based it off of like American Werewolf in London werewolf. Nice. That's just a fun tie-in. You do get another really lame cutscene at the end of this where the novelization explains who this werewolf is, which is just an old man who in the novelization dies like on the ground so that he can live long enough to be like, thank you for freeing me from the curse. (laughs) But you must know, Dracula has a secret. He has, oh, I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a good call to cut that completely useless scene. And this one, in the end, the world just goes off a cliff and we never see him again. Yeah, they completely and utterly fail to kill this werewolf to the point where, like, it chases Anna off to a huge cliff. Velkin intervenes. The werewolf and Velkin go off the cliff together. They go down under the water. They don't resurface. They're like, oh, he's dead. He's definitely dead. I didn't see a body, but he is dead. (laughs) A lot of people fall off of cliffs in this movie. (laughs) And there's a lot of cliffs, it turns out. This is a cliff-intense movie. And very rarely are they dead. If you don't see if the body, they're not dead. Except for when Kevin J. O'Connor goes off a cliff, then he's definitely dead. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, Igor's the only one who goes off a cliff and is actually definitely dead. Everyone else (laughs) is actually okay. So we get this travel montage of Van Helsing and Carl crossing the sea and walking on snowy mountains on horseback. It lasts a long time, so we try to imagine that it takes them a while to get there. But the important thing is that they do eventually arrive in the village. You can really tell when a movie was made immediately post Lord of the Rings, can't you? Oh, God, they do that one sweeping shot. (laughs) (laughs) Those mountains do look amazing. They're lovely mountains. We get to the village. There's a bunch of peasants. We get a brief throwaway line, which is the beginning of like this weird plot point that the movie doesn't go into that much to do with the amnesia <laughs> thing, which is that Carl's saying like, no, seriously, you can't remember anything. And Van Helsing <laughs> says, I remember fighting the Romans at Masada, <laughs> which Carl points out was in, I think, 79 AD. <laughs> and he's just like, well, you asked. And then they move on. <laughs> That's incredible. I completely missed that. That never comes up again. <laughs> No, the video game is the only thing that goes into like this weird ass resolution to the amnesia subplot <laughs> that the movie basically like doesn't resolve, but just leaves interesting further questions. This movie was itching to be a franchise. Oh, it's so sad. We also get a brief exposition that's like, if you kill Dracula, anything he made or turned will also die. Just so we get that out in the open there. But that doesn't really matter because now we are about to meet everyone at the village, which includes a whole bunch of just peasants, a guy who is only credited as Top Hat, (laughs) and Anna. Which is valid because Top Hat has an amazing Top Hat. He does have an amazing top. He's the grave digger. He looks like Riff Raff. He has a top hat. Those are the three character traits we learn about him. (laughs) And he's like enigmatic. And again, he is a completely unique model. (laughs) I don't know why he's here. It seems like in the end, like he's just 
a creepy, slightly murderous jerk, and that's it. Like, because he's actually the one leading the mob in the first scene. And the camera lingers on him a lot. Yeah, but if he's actually working for Dracula or anything, this is like not established. It seems like he's just kind of a creepy dude who really loves his job yep. way more than he should. He's just top hat. He's just top hat. And he starts measuring <laughs> Van Helsing and Carl for their coffins while they're standing around, which is a great power move. It's a good bit. Top hat loves his job. I also love that like Anna is posing the most yeah. <laughs> power stance for like this introductory sequence. She's got her hands on her hips, legs spread at hip weight. She is doing a power stance on an outcropping being like, who are you? We don't like strangers. There sure is a lot of accent here. I still don't know where this accent is supposed to be from, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most. You could butter your toast without that these accents are. <laughs> I don't need help. And he's like, yes, I'm, but I'm here to help you. And then they do that back and forth for like a couple of bits. And then we are interrupted because suddenly the brides are here. I also like their design a lot. Yeah. Partly because even though they're like gauzy, sexy ladies when they're in human-ish, whatever, non-bat form... Which, you know, they are the Dracula's brides. That's kind of the defining thing. But the oh, flying sure. version is, like, not sexy. Like, they barely have boobs, which is, like, a lot of restraint, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> An impressive amount of restraint from Stephen Summer specifically. And they've got, like, nasty harpy feet. Like, they actually, like, they look pretty nasty and scary. And they're, they're a cool design. I also like their wings. They're the wings that you draw as a little kid before you realize that there's a bone structure underneath yeah. there. They're just these big, like, flaps of skin that have points on them, and that sort of makes them wings. They're <laughs> kind of gross. It's really great. I also really like that throughout this movie, which, regardless of whether they're in, like, monster mode or, like, sexy mode, their jaws still distend when they go in for a bite, I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderfully creepy. And their accents are also so much. They're they amazing. One of them is like... All over the place. You know, oh, go kill that one and love to. Like, that's... Kill the stranger, Mariska. Love to. <laughs> oh my god, that's right, Mackenzie. You could do one accent and it's this movie. I can. It's this one. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's perfect. This is also, most of the time if I'm playing in any kind of tabletop campaign and I need a name, I steal it from Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> I have been Mariska, Alira, <laughs> Valerius. Honestly, this movie also has the most names. It's really good. Like, these names are the most names. The brides just sort of fly around, attacking the town. Van Helsing pulls out his crossbow and utterly fails to hit a single bride in any meaningful way for most of the sequence. <laughs> he misses everything. This motherfucker never played Alien Invasion. He wastes so many crossbow bolts. Fire where they're going to be, not where they are. One of the brides tosses an entire cow. You see it later on the second story. The cow is fine, you guys. <laughs> the cow's fine. <laughs> cow is okay, don't worry. It's gonna be a hell of a time getting it downstairs. <laughs> One of them grabs Anna and is like, Do you like to fly, Anna? And it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like laughs at her own funny joke. It's great. Yeah. yeah, the women that they picked for the brides are very good at maniacal, super villain like anime <laughs> laughter, and it's beautiful. 
Yeah. There's a point in this fight where, like, Anna gets dragged down onto the ground by Von Helsing. He, like, brings her down from when she gets grabbed by a harpy bride. They land with her straddling his face, <laughs> which is very improbable. But oh, my. Oh, my. Listen, these are two very attractive people. They pause for a moment when this happens. He rolls and he's like, you stay here. And she's like, no, you stay here. They're trying to kill me. <laughs> Alexi, does the novelization ever explain why the bride seemed to know Anna personally? Nope. Because this is never covered in the movie. <laughs> no, they do not. If anything, one of the things the novelization does, and maybe this is actually, I'll, I'll do, I have only two points where the novelization is interesting enough to read from it directly. The novelization has a scene establishing the brides before they show up in the village, which is just that they're like hanging out. And it says, Alira flew and dove between two mountain peaks. Mariska and Verona followed her. It took an effort for the other two brides to keep up. They were not as skilled in this or other more important areas, such as pleasing their lord and master Dracula. Oh my god! <laughs> in that area, Alira knew she was more capable. <laughs> so! Still, the master had appetites that no one bride could quench, though Alira often felt like she'd like to try. So! <laughs> so! So the novelization had some opinions about which bride was the best at sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. And it seems like, if anything, the only thing that, like, comes across a bit in the movie and then comes across a bit in the novelization is just that the brides are very horny for Dracula. <laughs> and oh, so horny. They're so horny for Dracula. And they can pick up on the fact that Dracula, at least eventually is kind of horny for Anna. And so it seems like some of the brides, frankly, are into it and are like, hell yeah. And then some of the brides are like, no way I want Dracula all to myself. Get out of here. Yeah, it's not clear if the brides are unilaterally like jealous bitches or, hey, my Dracula and I saw you from across the room and we really dig your vibe. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to go do something? When the European couple you meet says we want to swing, you're like, shit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They imply that they know her, but I don't think they do. They're just kind of horny in a complicated way. Because, like, straight up, they're like, I know what lurks in your lusting heart, Anna. Okay. <laughs> okay. You gotta really be specific with this movie. What kind of lust you're talking about? Do you just want to have sex with her? Because you, you, you seem like you kind of want to kill her. Do you want to do both? What's up here? What's up here? It's very bisexual. Very bisexual movie. Mm. And yeah, they do a lot of cool shots where there's like pretty fast swapping where the brides will go between their bat form and their lady form. And it is really cool because basically like the wings turn into that gauzy fabric that's coming off of their arms and vice versa. And it, it still looks pretty cool. I do really like that. No, it's a really good transition to use like the, the sort of diaphanous, like drapey bits as sort of the bits that turn into wings. It looks good. Also like good action filming. There's a lot of like tracking shots and like there's a lot going on, but I feel like it's always pretty clear where everyone is and what they're doing. So by the end of the action sequence, Van Helsing has figured out that he needs to dunk the crossbow into just some holy water that's sitting outside the church in a little basin. There's a spigot. And then he shoots one of the brides and then she screams and dies. The blonde one's gone. Goodbye, blonde one. Mariska, no! There's a blonde brunette and a redhead. In case you're wondering what kind of movie this is. Yeah, Mariska dies. That was the one wearing, like, kind of the belly dancer outfit, I guess. 
Yeah, the pink one. And then the other two brides were feeling up Anna, basically. <laughs> they did that thing where to make a woman powerless in a movie, you just have to grab her by the wrist kind of hard. Oh, yeah. No, they grab her by the wrist and she just goes completely limp. But they are also, they're doing a lot of like the jaw unhinging, but also just, yeah. Oh, no, don't grab my wrist and turn me, sexy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sexy ladies have pinned her to a wall. and are, It's a lot. So, brides, you found me. <laughs> There's a psychic connection between all of the vampires. There's a lot of psychic connections going on. <laughs> and so the other brides are freaked out and upset enough about Marishka being killed that they scream and do a whole team rocket flying off again thing. <laughs> The villagers are mad and they're like, oh, you asshole. Now they're going to be really mad at us. They only killed one or two a month. Now they're going to try and kill all of us. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Von Helsing. He's the first person to kill a vampire in 100 years. Whoa. But none of that's important because we have to cut to Dracula now. Yeah. <laughs> and this scene with Dracula is amazing. <laughs> so good. So much acting in this scene. There's so much acting. Oh, my God. Mackenzie, go. I need you to tell us what happens here. Dracula, like, lurches out of his coffin in the most extra way possible, and he shouts, Mariska, no! At the top of his <laughs> lungs. And he starts, like, fumbling around as the brides rush toward him, and then they're upside down because he's walking out the ceiling, because of course he is. And they're like, no! And then suddenly, it's just like flips on a dime, Dracula does, and he's like, no, I have no heart. I feel no love. I feel no love. I feel nothing. Oh my god, no, I, I wrote this part down. Do it. So he's like, yeah, we'll get a new bride. And they're like, oh, you're, you're so cruel. You have no heart. And he's like, no, I have no heart. I feel no love, no fear, no joy, no sorrow. I am hollow and I will live forever. Oh my god. It's so good. It's so good. Also... And the brides are like, oh, yeah, you're right. Same for us, too. And it's just like, okay. It's and not so bad. Oh. And at some point, he, like, he, like monologues and, the, and silhouette behind him. There's this wailing werewolf. And, like, the brides are like, wait, no, do not try again. No, we broke our hearts. And he yells at them and they cower. And he's like, no, do not fear me. Everyone else fears me. <laughs> My brides will not fear me. And they're just doing this like open mouth, not quite kissing, just kind of like pawing at him. Just kind of rubbing your mouth against each other like a cat. It's like Reiki, but with kissing. This scene is so much. And after he flounces out of the coffin, he says, why can't they just leave us alone? Which is like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you initiated this ridiculous conflict this time. This whole bit feels to me it has the exact same energy as Bison yelling, I don't understand why they call me mad or evil when he's like pacing in front of his model of Bisonopolis, which is shaped <laughs> like a winged skull. This is also the bit with the line, like I quote, more lines from this than even Pacific Rim and part of that is he mm -hmm. this is where he delivers the I'm at war with the world and every living soul in it which I say basically every time I'm inconvenienced <laughs> <laughs> also we get we make a little aperitif out of him <laughs> so good sometimes Dracula in lieu of any other blocking he just kind of starts like flouncing and waltzing with himself just to move from one mark to another <laughs> 
beautiful. This Dracula is amazing. He's having so much fun. He's having so much fun in this movie. For being a Dracula who's not wearing a full, like, opera tuxedo with a cape and a little cross, he is the most Dracula. And Igor is just tasing the werewolf for no reason. And even Dracula's like, dude, why are you tasing the werewolf for no reason? And Igor says, it's just what I do. <laughs> and Dracula gives this little shrug, like, yeah, I guess that's right. That's fair. Also, this is the first time we get to see the Dwergi, which are just these weirdly unnecessary little... Are these based in anything? Yeah, German mythology for dwarves. Okay, so they're... Evil dwarves in gas masks. Pretty much. I don't think that they're very related to anything in mythology other than, like, they're small in the name. And I don't know why they're here, but they're just little, you know, minions. And they're just, like, at the, like, these up on the railings just watching their master do the open mouth kissing with the bride. Just like, okay. <laughs> they, like, paw at him and, like, almost kiss him, but don't quite. It's weird. And then they're like, yes, we will try again. And then they just sort of like roller skate backwards into a wall and turn into ice. <laughs> Is that sex for vampires? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know any more about sex for vampires because we see later on what comes out of sex for vampires and the less to think about it, the better. <laughs> it's a very vigorous process. Vampire sex in Von Helsing. Because now we go to, like, the Scooby-Doo armory. <laughs> yeah. So this is, like, Anna's house, formerly a Dracula lair. I'm not really clear what exactly is up with this building. Does anyone know? No, I don't. It's formerly Dracula's house. Yeah. Which I guess also, as we find out later, like, the original Valerius was Dracula's dad, so this was probably his dad's house. So this is where, like, the noble family that Dracula belonged to lived. Other than that, it's just where a lot of the stuff happens because they needed a home base set and this exists now. Yeah, it's where Anna's family's been hanging out to try and figure out how to break the curse. So it is both Dracula's house, but also where her family's been, like, living. Which is how it both has all her stuff and also has, like, secrets related to Dracula because it was his place first. It's basically a museum. Yeah. Anna is stalking through this place, loading up with weapons, expositing about her family, being like, I'm going to go out and hunt Dracula again. No, I don't know where his house is, but I'm going to do it. Shut up. <laughs> and Von Helsing's like, do you want to just wait for morning, maybe, when Draculas aren't active? And she's like, no, shut up. I hate you. Tell me about your family. She spends like half the movie doing this and then the second half of the movie getting beat up a lot. She has this one bit that I really like where she's like, I promised you a drink. Bars down the hall, help yourself. <laughs> also, we get once again just the whole, it's like, oh, you like swords? You like guns? Why not both? Because she's like, I'll take this pistol. I'll take this sword. I'll take this mace. Like, it's good. I respect the fact that Anna is constantly grabbing any weapon available to her in any scene she is in. What we missed out on is the only thing, and I can see why they didn't do it. In the novelization, she is also getting strapped up with actual armor, <laughs> which would have been great. Ah, yes, but that means we couldn't see all her boobies. No. <laughs> she would be less sexy if she was wearing armor. Oh, no, don't put on the armor. <laughs> <sighs> Also, there's this ridiculous goddamn thing where, like, she's arguing with Van Helsing and she's picked up this little stabby hand knife. It's like a walking stick, 
but the handle is like a little hand holding a stake. <laughs> it's so dumb. That's the only time in this movie we see that. Why is that here? It's weirdly focused on in the shot. It's in the <laughs> foreground of a couple of like long conversation shots. So it feels like we're supposed to find it significant. Because when Van Helsing is like disagreeing, he like turns it around so it's not pointing in his face. And it's just like, why? But they keep lighting the sexy people with firelight. And that's very good. But the scene has to end. So it ends with Van Helsing spraying her with knockout gas that I guess he has. And then she just wakes up. It's still the middle of the night, by the way. It's been the middle of the night for a while now. To the movie's credit, Anna is not undressed in bed. They just took off her little jacket. (laughs) You think they like maybe just sort of loosen a couple of the buckles on her bodice so she could maybe breathe a little better, but okay. No, it's fine. (laughs) She sleeps in that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So Anna takes a lantern and a mace to go explore the dark house because she heard a noise. As you do. I'll be honest with you. If I had a mace, I would take it with me every time I hear a weird noise. And I don't live in that big an apartment. (laughs) Ye oldie baseball bat. (laughs) Yeah. And eventually we do an alien thing where there's something dripping down on the floor and she looks up towards the ceiling. And what's on the wall? It's a werewolf. It's a varwolf. And it's a new one because everyone gets their own werewolf sona. (laughs) yes this is distinct from the other werewolf how is it distinct the previous one was gray this one's brown ah okay the werewolves are also a blonde a brunette and a redhead (laughs) oh my god they are (laughs) you're right i mean hugh jackman is the sleekest dark black werewolf of them all of course he's the sexiest werewolf he is the sleekest most handsomest of the werewolves (laughs) spoiler alert van helsing turns into a werewolf in this movie yeah we'll get there don't worry about it it's dope and we get very very dramatic acting here oh my god because like i guess first of all werewolf goes into a room and she goes into a room and her brother's there and she's like oh it's my brother yay and he tries to talk to her and be like no it's bad dracula and again like no one's allowed to finish a sentence it's plot relevant this early in the film i know dracula's secret he has a (laughs) (laughs) and then he just like literally flips a table he crawls up the wall his like yelling turns into wolf sounds and he peels off his own skin you watch a man tear his own nipples off this is dope yeah it's one of those werewolves i love these werewolf transformation sequences they're dope as hell (laughs) yeah it's good shit. Like, I'm usually not a fan of the werewolf transformation via tearing off your skin, but this is still pretty dope. It still looks really good in that I don't like it. <laughs> I also like that this movie establishes that we do the thing where we did it during the day with a cloud going over the sun. We're doing it again at night with a cloud going over the moon. It is only when the sun or the moon is directly out that vampires and werewolves, respectively, can actually do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So he, the werewolf brother freaks out and, you know, Helsing comes in and the werewolf runs out and Van Helsing's like, I'm gonna go get him. And Carl's like, here, take the silver bullets. And off he goes. Oh, God. And Anna is too frozen in fear and shock. (laughs) I love that Carl just has silver bullets in his pocket. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, werewolf, silver bullets. (laughs) We're not gonna waste our time on this. We get the scene where Van Helsing is in town and he's like walking through this nighttime fog with his hat and his duster and his pistol and he looks like a cowboy. And then he runs in to Riff Raff. Oh no. 
real quick, though, before that, he has this incredible line where, like, he seems to think that the werewolf is about, and he says to absolutely no one, who is hunting whom? (laughs) 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 To no one. No no one's there. (laughs) You dramatic bitch. It's a lonely life. And then he runs into Riff Raff. Who is like, isn't it a bit late to be digging graves? He's like, oh, it's never too late to dig graves. He's just out hanging out in a coffin. Yeah, he's just chilling in a coffin. As you do, honestly. And he's also like, oh, the wolfman doesn't bother me. (laughs) As we're about to find out is very wrong. Yeah, because he was saying like the thing where it's like, it's never too late to be digging graves. You never know when you'll need a fresh one. And he tries to hit Van Helsing with a (laughs) shovel. For no, like, it really does not seem like he is working with the bad guys. He's just like this, which actually like Van Helsing grabs the shovel and the guy just says, uh, it's in my nature. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just does things like this. <laughs> he just does this. I'm just a creep. They let him live in town and he does this stuff. He just does it. They're just like, ah, oh, it's just Top Hat. Oh, you. <sighs> <laughs> oh, you. Sometimes when there's only one vampire murder a month, Top Hat just really wants to make it one or two. <laughs> Maybe the reason it's one or two is because they can't account for which one is Top Hat. <laughs> Yeah, on average, 1.5 vampire murders per month. That 0.5 is very swingy. (laughs) It seems like the only justification they maybe have is some kind of vague idea of like, well, dead people are good for business if you're a grave digger, I guess. So so economically, Top Hat has a reason to like the murderous vampires. That seems to be the extent of the connection here. (laughs) (laughs) There's very little thought put into this. It's just Top Hat. He's just Top Hat. And now we're done with Top Hat. (laughs) We're done with Top Hat. Top Hat gets wrecked by a werewolf. (laughs) By Top Hat. And again, (laughs) the slapstick of basically like he gets bonked by a werewolf, lands into the grave. His hat blows off and lands on the shovel. And it's just like, oh my God. That's a wrap on Top Hat, folks. Bye, Top Hat. (laughs) Ciao, Top Hat. Cheers. We don't know why you were here. Now you're gone. You were too good for this world, too pure. (laughs) (laughs) So they find a little, Anna comes in, she stops Van Helsing from carrying the werewolf, and she's like, that's my brother, and he's like, I know, and they yell about it a little, and at some point she's like, do you understand forgiveness? (laughs) And he's like, yes, I ask for it often. (laughs) (laughs) What are these lines? The, the thing that helps a little bit with, like, even though I don't love the whole, like, oh, the guy knows what's going on trope, it's a slight redeeming thing that I think makes it not cross over, that generally whenever they argue, or when anyone argues with him, like, he does listen, like, often the resolution is that she says something that he's like, okay, you know, you have a point, and they kind of, like, come to an agreement, it's at least mm-hmm. a step above him just being like, you don't know what you're talking about. He does listen to her arguments and might disagree, but he's not just like, shut up, I know better. Yeah, I think Anna doesn't get as much to do in this movie as I think she could have. Like, I think she gets, like, sidelined just a little bit too much. 
Like, not egregiously, but just in a slightly dissatisfying way. But Van Helsing does clearly respect her and listen to her. Yeah. Also, this thing was like, oh, I'm Van Helsing. Killing monsters makes me a bad person. Makes me think of that Beyond Belief episode of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, where it's <laughs> where Frank Doyle is talking to, like, these two monster-killing nuns. And he's like, isn't murder wrong? And they're like, yeah, but we take each other's confessions and kill so many demons that, cosmically speaking, it balances out. <laughs> There's also a part when they're arguing, the way that the conversation essentially comes to when she's like, oh, Dracula has killed my entire family. I've lost everyone I've loved. And he's like, yes, you've lost your family. But I have amnesia. <laughs> and he's got snowflakes in his beautiful, beautiful hair. <laughs> So they head off to go look for her brother. We cut real quick to Castle Frankenstein, where the Dwergi turn on the machine in the lab. And gosh, I love this set. These funky little dudes. They're just running around, hitting things with hammers and like going across <laughs> pulleys. Like they're just, they just got a, oh. Is this what Dwarf Fortress looks like in universe? <laughs> Yes, maybe. It must be, right? Yes. It has to, yes. If you can see past the ASCII, it's like this, but with more elephants. <laughs> yeah, if you like, if you zoom out of this movie far enough, like if you stand far enough away from the screen during the scene, you'll start to see a bunch of ASCII elements. Like there's some at signs, there's some slashes, there's some pound signs. And I love like this is a physical set, like the DVD extras mostly are actually just like stuff in this set. And it's so real. This set is so good. That later on, there is a scene where there are some of these dwergi who are on fire. That's not CGI, folks. <laughs> the behind the scenes make it clear they actually lit those dudes on fire. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and it's great, because from the behind the scenes, you're in the movie view. You can see that basically they light <laughs> these guys on fire. They run through the scene, and around the corner, there's someone with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> puts them out and the lovely thing is that knowing that when you watch the actual scene you can see a little bit of fire extinguisher liquid coming out of the side of the shot oh my god so everything looks amazing and it seems like they basically got a bunch of people to be extras as dwergy and gave them a set full of mechanical stuff and were like take some hammers run around Pull some levers. Just, like, be busy. They have some real good, like, goblin energy. Powerful goblin energy. We cut back to Anna and Van Helsing looking for her brother. This is where we find out that werewolves only shed before the first full moon, which is <laughs> weird. What? What? Everyone knows this. This also starts to raise my main question throughout this entire movie, which is, in the universe of this movie, how often do full moons happen? The answer is probably somewhere between every couple of days and infinitely. <laughs> I know. Oh, right? <laughs> is the implication either that they do like the whole, oh, it's the three nights of the full moon thing, or it's a full moon every couple of days, or this movie takes <laughs> place over several months? I can't tell which. Does it just like take a month during part of this movie for the next full moon? We don't know for sure. Look, in Romania, it is known it is always the full moon. <laughs> always. Always. It's a weird astral phenomenon. Yes. But only in Romania. Or Prague. <laughs> So we start to head into Frankenstein's castle. We pause for a moment while Anna gets like some character depth, I guess. She just like trails off being like, my father went missing a year ago. He was looking for Dracula. He was on his way to the sea. And she turns, I have never been to the sea. <laughs> I'll bet it's beautiful. What? Oh my God. <laughs> Anna, honey, what? 
What? Anna? Honey, what? She's like a Tolkien elf. She wants to go to the sea. <laughs> Bitch, have you seen the ocean? <laughs> she has to go. She's an elf. We do get another great line somewhere in here where we cut back briefly to Dracula, who's putting the brother into this pod. Yes. Who also is, by the way, like, yeah, this corpse, that's your dad, lol. <laughs> but then... Just tossing that out there. The best line is that Velkin says, I'd rather die than help you. And Dracula says, oh, don't be boring. <laughs> Everyone who says that dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just starts waltzing with himself. I choose to believe that was an ad-libbed line. <laughs> it's so good. Oh. We cut back to Anna and Van Helsing wandering through, like, the catacombs below the castle. She explains what the Dwergi are, and they run into these, like, big sacks. Oh, it's the worst. They're big, gross, green sacks. Just great big old testicles. They look like they're full of basketballs. They're gack sacks. They're full of gack. We'll get to that. Just big old testicles hanging from the ceiling. They're chock-a-block full of gack. The characters make this incredible leap where they're like, oh... These are Dracula's undead babies. Yeah, Van Helsing says, well, three gorgeous women for 300 years, which like, my dude, how did you so quickly be like, ooh, look at all these nasty egg sacks. Yeah, that was what happened when you're with three gorgeous women for 300 years. You know, you make a bunch of egg sacks. <laughs> Where does the egg sack come out of? I don't want to think about it. Oh, no, we, I, we can't. We can't worry about that. The movie's not interested in worrying about that. We cannot. They just wanted to do an alien. We just know that there's weird little egg sacks full of bat babies. This is like when we first found out that mind flayers lay eggs, and I was like, what part of the mind flayer do the eggs come out of? <gasps> oh, no. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Especially because they don't even make these vampires, like, that weird. Like, a lot of the time, even in, like, they're weird, even in bat form. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, they're not that monstrous. They're not that monstrous. Do the vampires have cloacas, then? Oh, no. No, I can't. No, can't. Can't. Nope. Can't do it. Nope. Abort. Abort. <laughs> the core of this, there's an interesting idea, because the plot point we get to is that since the vampires are dead, their children are born dead, which is kind of interesting. And so the idea is like, oh, Dracula's trying to bring them to life like Frankenstein's monster. And that's why there's all this plot going on and like that idea is cool but the egg sacks though <laughs> egg sacks though it's so nasty it's weird like because the whole experiment seems to be you strike a dude with lightning and somehow that charge goes through a bunch of cables attached to these egg sacks and jolts them to life but also it needs like three the magic number and somehow that matters even once they've flown away. It doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. This no. movie fairly often follows the rule of like, if it's sufficiently cool and interesting, let's not worry about if it makes sense. But yeah. And Van Helsing takes his glove off before he sticks his hand into the gag sack. Uh. <laughs> Why do you have the gloves? If you and we do this whole fake out where like he's sticking his hand in the gack sack and then behind them like another one starts to open so you don't even need him. creepy you hand. don't even need him pulling out a bat baby from the gack sack because there's a fresh one right behind you also he spends an inordinate amount of time just pulling stuff <laughs> off of the gack sack like there's so much Ugh. gack before you get to the actual vampire baby and you see him scooping it all out in real time <laughs> 
<laughs> the bat babies are starting to come to life. They break out of their egg sacs. They start flying around. They're kind of cute. I'd say that they're little gremlin rats. They look like hairless cats. Yeah, the brides come out and like put out their arm and one of the babies comes to like flap over and almost perch on her hand and like... There's this whole, like, proud parents of my brood of rat babies moment that is like, <laughs> yeah, they're kind of cute. It, yeah, like a bug-eyed, hairless cat, eh? Dracula's like, send them out, teach them to feed, and beg the devil that this time they stay alive. 100% intensity on every line read. <laughs> we come back to Von Helsing, who is just, like, shooting them with a shotgun. <laughs> He's just trying to shoot the bat babies with a shotgun. That's his plan. It's like a Buck Hunter mini game. <laughs> I feel like the true, like, I don't know what the actual video game of this movie looks like, but I feel like the true form that it should have taken was a rail shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a rail shooter kind of movie. Definitely. But it is good because now so, we actually get interaction between Dracula and Van Helsing and the energy between these two. <laughs> Which is mostly coming from Dracula, but like... Which is mostly coming from Dracula. We're going to start cutting between the babies arriving in town and like starting to carry people off and attack them to Von Helsing and Dracula. And then a little bit of Anna trying to break her brother out of like the Frankenstein cage. But first, Von Helsing and Dracula. So good. Dracula does this thing where he's got these leather gloves and he does this like heartbeat mimicking because he's basically like i can hear your heart usually dudes hearts get like faster and faster because they're scared but yours i could like waltz to it it's in perfect time and this is all just like so sexy am i a disaster or is this an incredibly sexy scene <laughs> there's some distinct homoeroticism here ah there's some eroticism there it's definitely kind of horny it's a more than a bit horny it's true Von Helsing appears, jumps out, stabs Dracula with a silver stake, and Dracula just smiles and he says, hello, Gabriel. Oh, God. <laughs> Though first he pretends to be staked, he goes all like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> just to make him feel better. He's that extra bastard who's like, I will pretend to be staked just so that I can have the reveal of being like, yeah, never mind. Hello, Gabriel. <laughs> it's very sexy. Dracula's like, oh, it's been, what, 300, 400 years? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> this is definitely like we're divorced and one of us feels worse about it than the other. They've got history. And yeah, there are the brief brief cuts to like windows are hazardous to Dracula baby's health. <laughs> we also find out real quick while Anna is like unbuckling her brother that like there's just a pit of acid in this set. Yes. Some dwergy fall into it. I think at some point. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All liquid is smoking. Everything that's electronic is sparking. Everything that can't be on fire is on fire. <laughs> it's amazing. Carl is back in town. He's trying to help out like the people being attacked by the babies. He ends up saving a lady. We'll come back to that one in a minute. <laughs> also, then the babies just start popping like balloons. Like gushers. Little just explosions of goo. They're kind of like little scrappy-doos with wings. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out the vampires are made of gak. <laughs> it's gak. They're in a little sack of gak. From gak they come and to gak they return. <laughs> <laughs> and like the brides are really sad. They leave town. Von Helsing ends up escaping Dracula, meets up with Anna, who was not successful breaking her brother out because he started to turn into a wolf again and whatever. And then he escapes. He escapes by... 
How long does a grappling hook gun go? (laughs) (laughs) How much filament is in that gun? As long as it has to. How long does that gun's reach? There's a lot about this physics, too, of this swigging (laughs) and how he ends up back on top of the cliff. But it doesn't matter because they just they wanted someone to fall over a cliff again. (laughs) I love it when people fall over cliffs. The werewolf that falls over the cliff is, of course, fine, because unless you're Igor, if you fall on a cliff, you're okay, actually. That's the rules. He grapples onto a narrow tree, like on the opposite mountain peak. It's bananas. And he just ziplines across this entire gigantic fucking gorge. And the werewolf comes down and cuts the line, and so they dramatically swing instead, because this movie has one thing it likes. And somehow, despite, like, the connection point of the grappling hook being at the tree line, they swing and land (laughs) on the tree. Like, Yeah, they don't just fall straight down with a bunch of slack. It doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. It's fine. physics. Back to Carl, the lady he saved is like, how can I repay you? And he definitely whispers in her ear, sex. Do a sex. Do a sex with me and my penis. (laughs) But you can't do that. You're a monk. It's like, I'm a friar. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that not only then... She, like, smiles and is like, oh. But in the one scene before, when she says, you can't do that, she's grimy and, and kind of, like, in peasant makeup. And this is, like, called out in the IMD trivia, which is hilarious. After you cut back to Faramir and he says, actually, I'm just a friar, and you cut back to her, <laughs> suddenly she's, like, clean and has makeup. <laughs> An instant glow up from finding out that this dude is allowed to do the sex. What's the trigger for that? Where do I get to do that? Like, I just instantly decide that I want to have sex with someone and my makeup gets done. How do I do that? Yeah. It involves uh, an airbrush and it's very high pressure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, t-shirt cannons like that, but you load it with foundation. (laughs) Oh, right. Homer Simpson did that with a shotgun once. I've seen that. For the woman who only has four fifths of a second to get ready. We also cut back to like the brides who are just wailing and slowly moaning in the background, wafting their diaphanous gowns, grieving mothers. Mm -hmm. You know how it'd be. And then we immediately cut to the windmill, which I guess they're going to now. For reasons. Yeah, they have an argument where she's like, you think we didn't try a steak, you idiot? Of course we tried a steak. (laughs) You asshole, we've tried everything. (laughs) You dummy. You really thought you were going to roll up to Dracula's castle, stake him through the heart, and then call it a day. Because he also at one point pulled out a crucifix, with which Dracula just grabbed, screamed about until it melted, and then was basically like, that was rude. But anyway. <laughs> they have a discussion. Van Helsing at one point puts his hat on Anna, which again, I'm very bisexual. <laughs> She's having this little sad breakdown about how the wolfman isn't her brother anymore, and she has a sad face and is like, oh, cheer up, champ. Have my hat. Have some floor absinthe. <laughs> just drink some straight floor absinthe. Let's find some absinthe we found in this burned out in the mill. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Let's just uncork the bottle now. It's fine. And then she's like, don't let it touch your tongue. And then the floor just collapses under them. Yeah, they do the thing where they're gonna say it'll knock you on your ass, but then they're not allowed to say ass. So as she says, ah, uh, they fall. <laughs> Meanwhile, Horny Fryer discovers a plot point. <laughs> it's now morning again, and Carl has had sex. 
<laughs> on a couch. He's got that post not clarity. On a couch, there's so many beds in here, probably. We've seen at least one bed. Carl is taking a couch. And he goes to do like a sexy lean on the wall, I'm proud of myself thing, and it covers a secret lever. No one ever leaned on that spot before. Which has a bunch of Latin that's a rhyming poem. <laughs> yeah, the rhyming poem is actually from the original Wolfman movie, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's dope. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. It annoyed me that it said when the wolfsbane blooms as if that's at night because like I grow wolfsbane. It grows in the day like a normal plant. And in <laughs> fact, once it blooms, it's not like it closes again. It, it bakes flowers and then the flowers are there. No, it's a special wolf plant. Maybe you just have the wrong strain. Maybe. We get a cool effect. There's like animated moving pictures. It looks neat. The illustration comes to life and animates a Dracula and a Wolfman fighting. And this is apparently something that really happens to Carl. Carl really see this because he describes it later. This isn't just a, a nice thing for the audience. No, and he knocks over the couch in his fear. Yeah, which this <laughs> paramour for the night is still hanging out on. So she gets a very rude wake up. But it's fine because now it's time for the boy. Oh my god. The boy. Here comes the boy. We're in a cave below the windmill. They found a Bible sitting in a pile of bones. And like, he does some little like detective work to be like, oh, who is this monster? How big can he be? What's his shoe size? Oh, he's got three copper teeth because he's right behind you. <laughs> the fact that he actually says three copper teeth and then waits for her to ask, how do you know that? And then he says, because he's standing right behind you. Like this dramatic bitch. <laughs> It's a dumb. I love it. It's so good. This Frankenstein's monster, this Frankenstein, this creature, whatever the hell you want to call him, this Adam, he is incredible. He perhaps is the only person in this movie to match the intensity of Dracula at all times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. how we mentioned that his voice was an opera singer voice? Yeah. He's just going to keep doing that throughout the rest of the movie. And like the first freaking line he has in this scene is she's like, what do you want? And he pauses, looks at her and poses to exist. <laughs> it's good. Also, like, you know, movie Frankenstein's Frankenstein monsters have a history of being like mute and very far removed from novel Frankenstein, the like French learning philosopher boy. Yeah. This operatic Bible quote and Frankenstein's monster is actually like, I feel closer to canonical Frankenstein's monster than we tend to get in movies, which is just kind of wild. And it's fascinating because like physically he is just straight up a steampunk movie Frankenstein. But like character wise, he is way closer to the modern Prometheus than you ever see. <laughs> it's great. And I love every scene that he is in. Oh, he's so good. Here comes the boy. Oh, that's Van Helsing blow darts him. <laughs> Here I, love that, I love that he blow darts him and it fucking works. Eight and a half to nine feet tall. He just needs one blow dart. He uses the phrase birthing <sighs> to refer to the eggs. He's like, this was from one bride, from one birthing. No. And it's like, please, please don't. Please don't give us any more hints about where the egg sacs come out of. <laughs> Turns out that, like, all the gag sacks in Frankenstein's castle were just from one lady. Oh, God. Over how long? Over how long did she produce those? One birthing would indicate that it's all at one time. Oh, God. That's a long day. That's a long day. <laughs> He's 
like, no, there's a whole bunch more back at Dracula's castle. And I was created to do the machine thing that brings all the babies to life. I guess it works for me because don't worry about it. I'm a MacGuffin. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Anna tries to shoot the creature and Von Helsing's like, no, no, no. I can sense evil. I've hunted evil. I know evil. And this thing is not evil. He was created by evil, but he is not evil. I cannot kill him. And Anna listens to all that and she's like, I can. (laughs) Yeah, it's unclear whether he's like, morally speaking, I cannot kill him or I am supernaturally constrained from killing him. Unclear. Completely unclear. But Anna has no such biases. And the only reason that she doesn't shoot this Frankenstein dead is that they look up and there's a werewolf there. And it's like, now everyone in China knows you're here. (laughs) And the solution is we'll take him to Rome. Yeah, so that's a choice. Which, okay. But we get horses with spikes on their head. Also the line, nothing is faster than Transylvanian horses, which... (laughs) It's so weird. I think they do have trains by this point in time. (laughs) It's the 19th century. This movie does not make a particular distinction between a horse-drawn carriage and a train or possibly a car. These horses, like, do not refuse (laughs) any turn. They do not refuse any jump. They are machines. (laughs) They're powerful, spiky horses. They're the original self-driving cars. The point where they open the carriage and Frankenstein's in there and they're like, all right, Carl, get in with your new friend. We have to go travel to Rome. (laughs) And the Frankenstein just yells, by exposing me, you have condemned me, me, all (laughs) mankind. He's incredible. He's incredible. Also, listen, if anyone wants to get pedantic about calling him Frankenstein, there's a cut line from the novelization at this point where Carl is doing something about, like, what do I call you? And and Frankenstein's monster says, you can call me by my father's name, Frankenstein. (laughs) So back off with the Frankenstein's monster shit. The novel says you can call him Frankenstein. Uh, I think at some point there is a line when they're like, I asked the Vatican about Frankenstein. The movie does not care. Don't worry about it. Call him whatever the hell you want. So we do a map overlay travel montage. With the Lord of the Rings font. Yeah. This is a Lord of the Rings ass map. (laughs) And it's really important that we do this map overlay travel montage because we're going to leave and exit the exact same woods (laughs) pretending that we have gone approximately 400 miles or like 650 kilometers. But it's the exact same woods. It's fine. The soundtrack is really good at this point. This movie's very cool. It doesn't care about the logic. <laughs> so it's a horse chase. Because the carriage is attacked by brides. And like, we go to this point where we're about to go over a bridge that is like a rickety bridge over a chasm. Wouldn't you know it? The bridge is just out. The bridge is gone. They don't put signs out for bridges out in the old days. <laughs> they just won't let you green over a cliff. <laughs> But it's fine because Transylvanian horses are the fastest thing in the world and also can jump cliffs. (laughs) And also never refuse a jump. (laughs) Transylvanian horses will jump whenever they want to, will like make an incredibly long ass jump, and they will do it in tandem while six of them are hooked together. (laughs) Are you kidding? These are hive mind horses. It's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Six best friend horses. So the horses jump the chasm and they make it just fine. The carriage doesn't, though. <laughs> the carriage starts careening down into the gully. 
And one of the brides flies down to try and go after it, but she wrenches open the door, but the carriage is actually empty, except for explosive glycerin armed with stakes. <laughs> it's literally just a bunch of stakes strapped to a thing of glycerin. It's rad as hell. It's so good. And then, so that blows up that ride. We're down to one out of three now. And meanwhile, we get the reveal. It was a trick, the old trick carriage, that old chestnut. But the <laughs> other carriage is just on the other yeah. side of like the trees. <laughs> like, it's just right there. Where did the other carriage cross the ravine? How did the other carriage get there? We clearly saw Van Helsing on the other side of the ravine with the horses. They tracked down the one carriage and did not notice the identical carriage. <laughs> like, not too far away. <laughs> like, 20 feet away. But it's fine, because now they're fighting, and there's a werewolf, and there's fire, and it's pretty cool. And this is the part where we specifically threaten Hugh Jackman's dick. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> Several times. Because he falls off the carriage, and it, like, cuts multiple times to make sure you understand that the problem is that the carriage wheel is right <laughs> where his dick be at. And if he slides at all, the wheel's going to grind his dick. So Carl frees Frankenstein's monster because Frankenstein's monster is like, you know, let me help him. And so it's like, thank you, Mr. Frankenstein's monster, for saving my dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh no, it's a werewolf. It's really good. There's also a point where, like, there's fire on top of the carriage and it starts to break through the roof. And we do a thing where, like, the Frankenstein straight up does, like, the, ah, fire bad. <laughs> because fire bad, you see, the Frankenstein fire bad for him. Fire bad, though. Fire bad for him. He don't like it. Fire kill his dad. Fire bad. Fire bad. The fire werewolf looks extremely cool. Yeah. this is, It's a cool bit. It's a cool fight. It's a cool fight. And the other carriage does, in fact, explode. Van Helsing does manage to get the gun with the silver bullets and shoot the brother. And then both of them, though, like, go toppling off of the carriage together and... Anna finds her brother just long enough to have a brief conversation. And, like, this man, the guy playing Velkin, his jobs are look pretty, writhe, and then die. <laughs> oh, he's so pretty, though. It's almost a waste how pretty he is. Well, it's not a waste in that the other thing he's been doing a lot of are Hallmark Christmas movies. Ooh, that's my jam. Yeah, you might have actually seen this man in uh, a few Hallmark Christmas flicks. Oh, I need to look it up now. I need to go see which ones he's been in. Oh, I'm excited. It looked like they're currently filming. He's in like, it's called like the Princess Swap 3. <gasps> he's in the Princess Switch 3? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. The, the, the Princess Switch, the Netflix ones, where it's the same lady three times yes. and now they're doing another movie where it's her three times and maybe there's another person and I hope it's her in drag. <laughs> Uh, so this made total sense to me that the werewolf brother is Hallmark Christmas movies, dude. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Excellent. Yes, very good. Anyway. Anyway, he's dead now. He's like, Anna, forgive me, and dies. He gets a noble death scene. We also find out that in the fight, Van Helsing got bitten by the werewolf in the chest. So he has to, you know, pull down his shirt to reveal his sexy werewolf fight. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The chest is like a really awkward spot to get bitten by an animal with a long snout. How exactly does that work? My puppy has nipped me in the chest once or twice, and that takes a lot of work. This is the part where it suddenly came back to me in like a flashback that like this came out when I was in high school and I had a MacBook and I had this like Mac OS Dream Diary app that uh -huh. would let you like have a password locked diary. And I was also trying out like lucid dreaming and I suddenly remembered like having a dream about Van Helsing and like writing it all out in my 
password locked a dream diary to try and be like, this is good shit. Oh, Alexi, that's so charming. (laughs) (laughs) So Anna gets yoinked by the remaining bride. Vampire brides are like cats. They just slap everything they don't like. (laughs) (laughs) He just slaps her. And it's not like a a little lady slap that's on the wrist. It's the full arm rotation. So she carries off Anna ostensibly to Budapest, where Von Helsing, Carl, and the creature try to be hard to spot in Budapest in their incredible costumes. (laughs) Ignore the big metal man. It's fine. This is the part of the movie where, like, the whole, I'm gonna become a monster, oh no, I've been bitten by a werewolf thing really kicks in. And this is where this movie starts really becoming my shit. <laughs> Especially once Hugh Jackman starts making the werewolf noises, I'm saying, ah, I now understand the appeal of Hugh Jackman. Ayo! <laughs> So they're in some random spot in Budapest and the remaining bride pops by and she's like, my master offers a trade, the monster for the princess. And frankly, I cannot believe it. I'm almost insulted. They didn't say a trade, the beauty for the beast. Oh, no. Yeah. The fact that they didn't do that is like infuriating to me. (laughs) You know what kind of movie this is and you didn't do that. You have to do it. Were they just confused about which beast it might be at this point? But you have to forgive them because then they're like, we know what you want. It's a masquerade ball. (laughs) On Halloween. (laughs) On Hallow's Eve. It's a Halloween masquerade ball. We'll have this trade in neutral territory. This will be a smart idea. And they do it. It's amazing. So this is where I start to think that Stephen Summers saw Interview with the Vampire and took a lot of things to heart about it. (laughs) More movies should have masquerade balls. Yeah. Oh, please. Full of vampires. Please. It's like the only costume swap that they do at this, and it's just like, instead of it being like, oh, our protagonists will also have more normal clothes, it's like, no, it's either their over-the-top ridiculous monster hunting movie, like, gear, or it's masquerade ball fancy dress, and Carl gets to be a ridiculous little jester man. (laughs) And, like, before this, they just hit the creature with a blow dart and hide him in a random, like, crypt or a mausoleum or something. And they're like, no, it's definitely fine. Carl's already dressed up like a jester at this point, by the way. He's already got his costume changed. (laughs) Where did they get the costumes? Where did they get this jester costume? They're like, oh, no, it'll be totally fine. Nobody will ever bother him, even though there's, like, a hand that lifts open one of the crypts and creeps out to imply that there's undead here, I guess. I don't know. Zombie spies? I don't know. Hey, where are we going to hide this Frankenstein's monster from our undead enemy? How about in the middle of a graveyard? (laughs) That should pan out okay. So we head to the masquerade ball, and there's just circus folk here. Playing violin on a big ball. Everyone has crazy hats. The music is radical. I ran a and d scene once that, like, I had a vampire at a ball because I love this movie. And I literally had, like, a playlist of ballroom music, which was, like, this music and some other ones. And it was a great time. Perfect. I think there's a guy on a unicycle serving drinks, which seems ill-advised. 
We cut the Dracula who is dancing with Anna, who's been done up in this gorgeous red dress. It's implied that she's under thrall or something. It's not been established that Dracula has thrall powers before, but you know what? It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because he like, he dances with her, he claws off his mask and then claws off hers and does that like weird, just sort of, I'm going to open my mouth and kind of hover it over your cheek a little before going in for like a really mislocated kiss. He, like, makes out with her chin a little. It's how vampires do it. (laughs) And then he says, how does it feel to be a puppet on my string? Which is like, this is very horny fanfic material. Yeah. I gotta say. Oh, it horny. It horny. This is very horny. I can see the AO3 tag now, and it's all spun off of this specific scene. Oh, yeah. She is coming out of a trance that I guess she's in because her eyelids flutter open in the middle of the kiss. But, like... Even though she clearly wants to kill him, they're still dancing and mwah. <laughs> oh, oh, and she says, you make my skin crawl. And he says, that's not all I could do with your skin. Which like, yep. <laughs> whoa. Like they ratcheted up the horn in this movie, which is hard to do at this point. Considering how good the scene where two people hate each other, do a ballroom dance together is, I'm surprised more movies don't incorporate it. There's this really good bit where he, like, swings her around the dance floor into a dip and, like, you see that there's this huge mirror and nobody else casts a reflection in this whole ballroom except Anna. And it's like, that's the good shit. It's so good. This is also the only other bit where the novelization is interesting enough to read from because there's this weird thing where after that that's not all I could do with your skin line Alira, the last remaining bride shows up and says my turn and dances with Anna <gasps> like <laughs> next <Ooh. laughs> it says like Dracula just like grabs a random woman and bites her neck and no one cares this is the only time there's a funny line in the novelization that's not in the movie because Van Helsing and Carl are at the balcony looking down and they can see Alira and Anna dancing and Van Helsing says something's not right and Carl says yes they're both trying to leave (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good that's good but but both though both dance partners though but but both though both dance partners and Alira literally licks Anna's face (gasps) both though yeah though this is a case where she's basically like licking Anna's face and saying like Dracula's mine, and I want to be the only one getting down with him. Boo! I'm going to totally murder you. Oh! Which, yeah, lame. Crossing Boo. some wires here. Oh, that's... Yeah. Like, look, the violence threat is also kind of hot, but boo, though. Boo, though. Yeah. They get so close. Like, there's the line she says, I will let the master take you, Anna, which, like, listen. I'll take you myself? Yeah, Exactly. They're so close to it being like that. And then it's like, I want him all to myself. No. No, give me the vaguely threatening threesome vibes. Both, both, exactly. both, both. And then Dracula comes back and is like, I'm going to cut in. <laughs> oh, God, I'm by. <laughs> it's so good, though. Mm. It's so good. I haven't checked the AO3 in a while, but like, <laughs> God, it should be filled with sexy vampire threesome. <laughs> anyway... Van Helsing is here, and of course, there's something to swing on in this room, so god damn it, he's gonna swing on it. There's a trapeze. <laughs> so he basically, like, swoops in, grabs Anna, swoops back up to the landing where he and Carl were, and the party immediately stops. The music stops. Hey, Gabriel. 
Hey, buddy. <laughs> Welcome to my summer palace. I have two houses. They all be vampires, even the little kids. Master, master. <laughs> and they bring in Frankenstein's monster, who's shouting, I think, Bible verses <laughs> at just full yeah. intensity. And it's so good. He's like, you wretched undead, I will have my revenge. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You are nothing but damn bones and damn souls and will burn in the flames of hell. <laughs> now imagine doing that, but it's like a baritone at the opera. Yeah, it's baritone. It's incredibly loud <laughs> and it reverberates through this entire chamber. It's good. It's so good. Van Helsing is like, we should leave. And Anna, meanwhile, grabs a flail that she found somewhere. <laughs> I feel like this movie could have made it a more consistent character trait that if Anna's in a room, she will just grab the nearest weapon. It's really good. Also, I really wish she had gotten to, like, kick ass in, like, a nice ball gown. That's always fun. That is always fun. Yeah. So they run away. They jump through a window. As Carl realizes, oh, my light grenade, I know what it's for now. It's for incinerating all these vampires. As we knew it would be when he started talking <laughs> about how it produced a lot of sunlight. Ben Helsing personally hates stained glass windows. Because <laughs> this is yet another beautiful, huge stained glass window that he's like, yep, nope, this is the only way out. It's like a saint or something, too. Yeah, it's really nice. The Vatican would be very upset. Most of the vampires in there are dead, but we do see that the creature uh, gets boated off by some little goblins and like... an Igor, who's petting the monster's head. <laughs> <laughs> He's a weirdo. Dramatic portcullis scene. Do you think whenever Stephen Summers is working on a movie, he calls up Kevin and he's like, hey, you want to be a weird little guy? And he's like, yes. <laughs> it's wild that the Vatican is just like, creature should just be dead? What if the creature was dead? Also Dracula. Van Helsing's like, to hell with the church. Church is wrong. Church doesn't know. I hate the church. <laughs> but he's like, oh, I'm sorry. That was just me wolfing out. I didn't really mean it. But what if I did, though? <laughs> you did mean it, though. What if I did, though? Also, I love that, like, the realism and the awkwardness of Anna's big fancy opera dress keeps kind of, like, bubbling up and getting water, <laughs> like, air underneath it and being, like, just terribly awkward. So it's like, yeah, yeah. A big fancy ball gown while treading water. That would be inconvenient. So you know how it was like 400 miles from Romania to Budapest? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. We're back at Anna's house now. Carl needs his like Pepe Silvia <laughs> Da Vinci Code speedrun moment. Oh my god, he's got a conspiracy board basically for like this whole thing. He's got books open. He's got research. He's the one who can actually find out where Dracula's castle is. And okay, okay, okay. So at some point he starts out with like, so it turns out Dracula is actually the son of Valerian the Elder. And Anna says, everyone knows that. Did we? Did we? Did we, Anna? Did, are you maybe just bringing that up now? Because I feel like if everyone knew that, we would have been told that before now. <laughs> okay, so that wasn't just me missing something. No. No, no. Fantastic. Van Helsing at one point interrupts to be like, does it say who killed Dracula? It's like, oh, you know, there's a vague reference to the left hand of God. I'm sure it won't come up. AKA the Archangel Gabriel. AKA this guy's named Gabriel. But don't worry about <laughs> it. Also, he was there at Masada. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it's unrelated. Once again, Van Helsing, just a guy. He's just a guy. <laughs> 
At some point, part of his exposition involves like a Dracula backstory parchment that works like a mad fold-in. Yeah. (laughs) We do get the baller line that like, okay, so then Dracula was banished to an icy place that was like inaccessible. And then the devil gave him wings. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I was doing the research. It turns out there's some kind of door to Dracula's castle. And we don't know where it is. And Van Helsing is like, well, what about that map that's right across that door looking spot in your house? <laughs> Have we looked at that? Have we thought about that? Yeah, I love that they're like, oh, but you know, it's got like an inscription and maybe it would activate something, but we can't possibly use it because like the last five words are missing, which, you know, match the paper that Van Helsing has. But I still am like, because Anna says that her dad spent like, hours and hours and like days trying to figure this out and it's like he couldn't guess the last five words if that was it like if it's just like a magic you gotta read the thing it was only missing five words you'd think that there would be some kind of like context he could extrapolate from but no it turns out the only important part that would help you kill dracula was in the vatican this whole time but i forgive them because this bit is really cool because it's the idea that like it so they put in the thing they read the inscription and it turns into a mirror and they're like huh and then they say well you know dracula doesn't have a reflection in mirror maybe it's because to him it's not a mirror mirrors are doors (laughs) that's really cool i like that Yeah, the whole thing to make the door open is just saying out loud, in the name of God, open this door. Did you try saying friend in Elven? (laughs) Melon. Did you try saying Melon? Uh, So Van Helsing grabs a torch and like the mirror gives way because of course it's a magic portal and enters the mirror and comes out right outside of Castle Dracula. We get two castles, at least. There's so many castles in this movie. There's so many castles. There's so many Castle Draculas. Castles Dracula? This one has some impaled skeletons, which is fun because it's like, who are those people? How did they get here? So they wander through the castle until they find Igor and Van Helsing uses his handheld saw blades to like attach him to a wall. And Igor's like, no, please don't kill me. And Van Helsing's like, why? And Igor's like, um... Uh, I feel like we're missing the scene where Hugh Jackman werewolf leaps his buddies through a door and it's it's a whole thing. Oh, yes. Yeah, he unlocked double jump. Yeah. And he just like grabs Carl and Anna under each arm as he like werewolf repels. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then he starts to have angst about how he's turning into a monster, which is very <laughs> hilarious emotional whiplash. Mwah. Also, when they run into Igor, he's just muttering to himself, Igor, do this. Igor, do that. (laughs) I love this little Igor is very true to himself. And they spot that, like, the most reasonable way to contain Frankenstein's monster is that they've made him a popsicle. (laughs) They just froze him in some ice. They don't have bow darts. Your only options are either to blow dart the boy or turn him into a popsicle. (laughs) And they must have put him in, like, a well or something, and they're slowly pulling the chain up through this central pillar in, like, the middle of the castle. And so, like, they watch him as he goes by, and Van Helsing tries to wolfman the bars open, but he can't quite. And the creature's like, oh, hey, there's a werewolf curse, bye! (laughs) There's a cure for the werewolf stuff! (laughs) It's here! Go get the cure! You should go get the cure! Dramatic head flip. Because he delivers his line and then goes like, 
Uh, it just like flips his head off. <laughs> the scene's over now. Meanwhile, they're like, Igor, help us out. And Igor's like, no, why would I do that? And then Igor's carrying like wire clippers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's basically like, do it or we'll clip your dick off. Which, I mean, Van Helsing's like, clip off his fingers. And Anna's like, oh, I'll clip something off. Which is like, man, they can't say ass, but they can threaten to clip <laughs> this guy's dick off with wire cutters. You'd think someone involved in the production of this movie was into CBT. <laughs> They sit there puzzling out, why does Dracula have a werewolf cure? And they're like, oh, clearly it's because the only thing that can kill Dracula is a werewolf. Obviously. Obviously. That's just how this works. Yeah. How did we get here? I don't know. Don't worry about it. The movie's almost over. We've got to get to that part. And we get our big movie kiss before they split up. It's a lot of jaw action. I don't like it. Very bisexual. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly for like the amount of like sexual tension that these characters have had as they have gazed at each other with hooded eyes for like most of this movie. The kiss is not very good. The kiss ain't good. It's got the fumbling teen energy where you're not really sure how kiss go, but you're very <laughs> enthusiastic about doing a kiss. Anna and Carl split up. They're going to go get the werewolf cure. Von Helsing's gonna go try to free Frankenstein and fight Dracula and whatever. And Igor is taking them to the special room with the special cure and a special glass and a special dais filled with acid. <laughs> it's, it's just a syringe with an orb. And what do you know? He pushes them into the room and, and closes it and says, you try to kill Igor, Igor kill you. <laughs> Oh, Igor. Oh, Igor. Oh, Igor. Every time Kevin J. O'Connor is in a movie, his time to betrayal gets shorter. <laughs> He's just speed running. Well, meanwhile, yeah, Van Helsing is like p hardcore parkouring around with his powers. And also at one point, like, he's running into the Dwergie and like knocks their little gas mask off. And he's got the little Muppet teeth going just like... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what are these? Why did you put them in this movie? They are pointless and ridiculous. I don't know why they exist. I love we it. needed some funky little guys. <laughs> we just needed some funky little guys. This movie needed some funky little guys. <laughs> it's like, if this was a rail shooter, those would just be your grunt minions. Absolutely. But like, this isn't a rail shooter. This is a movie. I think at its heart, every Steven Summers movie is a rail shooter. <laughs> Oh, probably. You're right. While Van Helsing is trying to get to Frankenstein and cut him loose, Carl and Anna have a fight with the remaining bride. Right before that, though, they're like staring at this ominous orb that the syringe is in. And they're like, you touch it. No, you touch it. It's a weird orb. I don't want to put my hands in it. Bad things happen. <laughs> These guys have seen other movies like this. <laughs> this is the only line that bothers me from a like... I guess, realism point of view, which, like, normally I don't give a shit. But Carl is, like, it's viscous material. You know, don't trust viscous material. Which, like, okay, now let's be clear, viscous means thick. <laughs> and then they knock it over at the vampire, and A, it's not thick. <laughs> it just, like, sprays like water, and it's acid. And Carl says, what did I tell you? Viscous material. That's not what that means. <laughs> that means thick. It does not mean acidic. And also, it is not thick. Words mean things. <laughs> yeah, the intent is definitely, I'm not touching this ominous thing, you touch it. But like, the line is not quite there. Why do they pick a word that means something completely different? This is the only, only thing that actually bugs me in the entire movie, Van Helsing. <laughs> this entire movie, and that's the only thing that bothers you. 
That's the only part. This is it. Ever since I was a teen, this is the one line that I'm like, I hate that stupid line. <laughs> this is where you draw the line. Everything else is perfect. Yeah, I draw the line at the meaning of the word viscous. <laughs> Carl manages to get out while Anna is going to have a fight with the only other female character left in the movie, because, you know, how you do. Carl, meanwhile, is trying to take the cure to Van Helsing because Van Helsing is going to start wolfing out at any minute and they have to get this thing into him so he won't be a werewolf forever. But he gets waylaid across this really long bridge. He has his own little fight sequence, sort of, with Igor, who has brought a cattle prod. Watch out, Carl, it's Igor with a cattle prod coming in from the other side. It's like watching mascots fight. We, yeah, we say fight scene, but we really mean is Igor chasing Carl with a cattle prod while Carl makes yelping noises. Yeah, Carl is not a combat character. <laughs> Carl does not have these class levels. It's really funny. As Van Helsing is trying to disconnect the creature from the device, Frankenstein gets hit by lightning. The bolt goes down to the baby cave where there's a whole bunch of gag sacks. And Dracula is yelling like, give me life. And it's great. (laughs) He's going to need so many baby names. There's like a million of these bastards. (laughs) And like he looks up and he sees Van Helsing and he's like, oh, I better turn into a bat monster that you've only seen in silhouette before because now it's dramatic and fight Van Helsing. Oh, the bat monster is pretty cool, but not as cool as the werewolves. IMO. Yeah, it's a pretty good big monster for a fight with a werewolf, but it's not like the coolest design I've ever seen. Also, Dracula spends most of this fight getting bodied by a werewolf. (laughs) It doesn't go well. It does not go in his favor. Frankenstein manages to get loose, but not before the babies get another shot of baby juice and like bring all the bat babies to life and they fly out the baby caves. When the creature tries to escape, he like accidentally repels off the building and swings down, of course, because there's a rope. He swings down to like where Igor and Carl are and like Igor gets like clotheslined off. How how does Igor die? What's the way to describe this? He gets clotheslined off the bridge gets clotheslined off the bridge and we do a zoom in on his face as he falls to his death the one person to die from falling down a cliff bye igor (laughs) goodbye igor the werewolf from the beginning doesn't count by the way because he got shot by a silver bullet that's what killed him not the fall that is what actually killed him it's just igor down here (laughs) everyone else took the buff that means you don't take fall damage Anna is still fighting the bride. Meanwhile, the creature is like dangling off the precipice and he's like, Carl, help me. And Carl's like, but the Vatican said you're supposed to die. And Frankenstein's like, but I want to live. And Carl's like, well, that's fair. (laughs) I completely lost my mind laughing at that part. We're just like, all right. Legit. That's fair. That's a fair point. You can't argue. But I don't want to die, though. And he's like, oh, ha. Huh. Well, that. Oh, you don't want to die. That changes oh, everything. Okay. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of when they were like, why shouldn't I kill you, Igor? And he was like, well. Hmm. <laughs> so it turns out Igor just had to say, I would rather not die. And this whole thing would have changed. I would prefer not to. <laughs> exactly. It's an ironclad defense. You can't get around it. And this is when we get the hot sexy reveal which it's like i'm not usually personally into this no shade on people who are i'm not usually a werewolf person in a sexual way but but hugh jackman's werewolf though (laughs) it's hot his fur looks so silky (laughs) 
This werewolf has some good face acting. He does. It's a cool fucking werewolf. He has these cool pointy ears. At one point, he like extends his claws and then looks Dracula dead in the eyes as he scrapes the claws down something, leaving visible marks, and then pulls the claws up in front of the camera and waggles them as if to say, ha ha ha, fuck you, you're gonna die. It's very good. The werewolves do not talk in this movie. They just make wolf noises. So like, there's a lot of like mime acting that the Hugh Jackman werewolf has to do to remind us that he is still a Hugh Jackman. It's real good. And I feel like that claw scraping, like there manages to be, I think, a bit of sexual attention in the air still, even when Dracula and Van Helsing are now both monsters. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And are doing a monster fight. Dracula keeps turning back into a human to like yell at Van Helsing <laughs> and be like, we're not so different, you and I. He's like, we are both part of the same grand game, Gabriel, but we need not fight on opposite sides of the board. Whatever that means. He says we could be friends, partners, brothers in arms, and then gets like lovers. tackled. And I like to think lovers. the next word was lovers. lovers. Yeah. Lovers. Yeah, lovers. Friend, brother, lover, Tahila. You know, you know how it is. Yeah. And yeah, this is where we really get the crazy plot point where he's like, such a burden, such a curse to be the left hand of God. And also, by the way, you murdered me. And it's like, okay, so the game <laughs> that was made really establishes the fact that Gabriel Van Helsing is literally the Archangel Gabriel. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah, he is literally the Archangel Gabriel, and he has all his memories gone. He is literally an angel. Wouldn't that preclude him becoming a werewolf? I don't know. And the movie just leaves it here with Dracula saying it, and then it's just like, anyway. Can angels be werewolves? And here's the thing. The, Don't worry about it. I feel like this movie could have either gone Van Helsing becomes a werewolf to kill Dracula, or it could have gone Van Helsing as the Archangel Gabriel. Having both is kind of a hat on a hat, you know? <laughs> and he's already got a great hat. He already got a great hat. You know, he doesn't need two more hats. <laughs> We also have a quick line where like, oh, I can bring your memory back. Also, can you give me my ring back? That ring you've got? That's my ring, actually. This is where we find out that Dracula is missing a finger. We have not seen this missing finger up to this point. Which is great because it's like if your character is missing a finger, like really noticeably, you would think you would at least like linger on there once or twice to be like, "Ooh, what happened? That actually always messed me up. I think he's just folding his finger down because he's a dramatic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like the way you do to fool a child. Yeah, I think he's doing the child fooling thing. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Also, more dramatically, you have my ring, and here's my ring finger down. Ooh, where is it? I don't know. Let me disconnect my thumb next. <laughs> this whole bit is like, it's cutting between a lot of dramatic cable swinging with the side characters, and then just like alternating dramatic monologues and monster fights, and it's really good. And everything's exploding all the time. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of swinging, of course. Anna finally meets back up with Carl and swings him across the gap. Like, he tosses her the cure. Like, the bride smacks into her. Anna eventually stakes the bride, who then explodes. Also, when the bride smacks into her, she hits, like, several walls at a speed that probably should have reduced her to aquarium gravel. Well, she was swinging. It's fine. <laughs> Got invincibility frames if you're on a rope. <laughs> mm -hmm. We eventually get to the point where, like, as Dracula's trying to be like, let's be friends one more time. Let's be pals. Let's kiss a little, maybe. <laughs> That's when Van Helsing, as the werewolf, just straight up rips out Dracula's throat with very little ceremony. <laughs> so sad. It's dope. It's dope as hell, actually. 
On a related note, when Panda finally stakes the Vampire Bride, the Vampire Bride's like, uh, you know, doing this whole, oh, your blood is going to sustain my youth and beauty forever. How do you feel like about that? Little gay, maybe? And <laughs> Anna proceeds to stake her and say, if you're going to kill someone, just do it. Don't stand around talking about it. <laughs> Which I feel like is a cool line, but that's what everyone has been doing this entire movie, and it's weird to call it out now. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, you're going to claim that moral high road when you wrote the rest <laughs> of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Anna's never spending her time talking. She's doing sick flips. <laughs> she is. She's doing sick flips and finding weapons on the ground. So she's got the syringe and we got the dramatic moment and then it should be fine because Van Helsing killed Dracula, right? But no, because he's still a werewolf. Yeah, all the babies are popping, exploding, because remember, there were babies in this movie. Yes, the babies all exploded. The hall of babies is for some reason (laughs) filled with all these giant tables on fire. Yeah. And when the babies explode, they actually bothered to have, like, the goop put the fires out, which also is just mwah. People who made this movie cared. So Anna starts running after Van Helsing with the cure, just, like, holding it up like a stake, honestly, (laughs) yelling, for God! (laughs) And Van Helsing Wolf tackles her, I guess? Yeah. Right into a convenient fainting chair. Yeah. A sexy chase lounge. <laughs> yeah, for a sexy mauling. <laughs> and Carl comes in and sees that Van Helsing is mauling presumably Anna on the couch. I don't think he actually gets a good look at who's getting mauled. But he's like, oh my god, I gotta take the silver stake and kill Van Helsing. So he runs up with the stake. Van Helsing grabs him by the wrist. And it's like a big dramatic moment. And then we look down and see that Anna managed to stick Van Helsing with the syringe. And, you know, it's taking a little while to take effect. But before he turns back into a human, Carl looks down and it's like, oh, Anna's dead, I guess. She doesn't have a mark on her. (laughs) She looks completely fine. She's not even bloody. And Van Helsing Wolf picks her up cradles her to his chest and throws back his head and does a sad a woo. <laughs> it's kind of like the thing they did with Darth Vader, but I feel like better. Yeah, yeah it's very much a no. Because his sad a woo turns into like crying. Yeah. yeah. And on, like on the one hand, the fact that Anna went through this entire movie and then got killed is like, I kind of don't like that. But on the other hand, I really like A, the scene really does it for me. And B, I kind of like that they didn't chicken out about killing her. Like, she's just dead. There's not like a dramatic coming back to life in the dark. I heard your voice moment. She's just dead. (laughs) She's just dead. It is, I think, the funniest thing that of all the things what kills her is like, basically, it seems like, I guess, like blunt force trauma. And if anything, I was like, does the novelization clear this up? No. (laughs) The novelization does seem to suggest that it's like, I don't know, like her spine broke or something because she's basically awake for a little while. And it's like, I can't feel my body, but it's okay. You know, I did it. After all of that swinging, it's a werewolf what kills her with tension? Yeah, exactly. After all that, it's hitting a chair too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Her spine was basically a very delicate house of cards after (laughs) smacking into so many walls. It really took, like, it was the straw that broke the camel's back impacting that chaise lounge. I like you, Jackman. Like, Van Helsing slowly turns back into a man who is completely shirtless and still cradles her and weeps. Now, fun fact, this is the one he's actually naked and they CGI'd some pants on him because <laughs> ah. they decided that it would be too distracting to the sadness of the scene if you could see Jackman's ass, which is probably true, I'll say. That's honestly very true. <laughs> I'd be distracted. I'd be really distracted, actually. I do want to see the ass. 
I would want to see release the ass cut. I know it's release been... the ass cut. Release the ass cut, Stephen Summers. <laughs> we know you have it. We would like to see it. Anna's dead. Dracula's dead. That's all of our plot that's wrapped up. Let's go to like uh, just a hill somewhere and burn Anna on a pyre, which Orthodox are not super into cremation. And the Catholics <laughs> didn't do this until the 20th century. But OK, why not? Listen, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace had come out by this point. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's how they do Darth Vader. That goes back that's to Return of the Jedi. Like, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Well, she wanted to be by the sea, and now they're by the sea. Lord have mercy. <laughs> and they burn her. And then he looks it- up into the fucking clouds. <laughs> and Mufasa's there. It's Mufasa's ghost along with Anna and her brother. And like her mom and her dad, their whole family's there. And I do actually like, because I am also like, go back and forth in terms of it's bullshit that they actually do like kill the female lead. But one of the things I do at least like, and again, like, I feel like this movie just keeps on like edging up to the edge of like a kind of tropey thing that I would hate and then like pulls it back just enough. I'm like, well, okay, because I feel like normally the thing that they would do here that would really piss me off is that she would be like, no, I'm happy that I'm dead because I saved your life, hot man. <laughs> you changed me. And it's not. It's that she said the whole time that you met her that what she wanted was to be with her family in heaven. And now she's there and she's happy because she's with her family. And that's more important than like she got to dig down with Van Helsing. She's like, no, it's all right because I'm with my family. and That's what I wanted the whole time. And it's like, okay. Okay. I like at least that the happiness isn't like she's satisfied because she saved this dude's life. It's like, no, she said she had a mission. She wanted to be with her family. That's what she got. She's happy. Yes, they had this love that didn't get to actually, like, go anywhere, but that's not as even as important to her as what she said was important, and Van Helsing has to be kind of like, you know what, all right. (laughs) Also, you know, they really wanted this to be a franchise, so you have to free up the female lead role for the next movie. They ride off literally, like, into the sequel that we never got. (laughs) Okay, so they're riding off. It looks kind of like the sunrise, but I think they're supposed to be riding off into the sunset, because you don't want to go further east. Rome's back that way, folks. They put Frankenstein's monster on this dinky little <laughs> raft. Where the hell is he going? That I thing don't is know. fairly, like, lake-worthy, let alone sea-worthy. Is he going off to Antarctica? That's the thing. Is he just gonna go to Antarctica? Is it time now? <sighs> and that's it. That's Van Helsing. <laughs> that's Van Helsing. <laughs> the main thing I always feel like when I finish watching it is why don't we see the actor that was Dracula in all the movies? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? He's so good. It's because Hollywood are cowards and they didn't know what they had. <laughs> that dude is just being like, he is, this phrase is done to death, but out of anyone, he understood the assignment. <laughs> he yeah. knew what movie he was in. He said, I'm Dracula, and the beginning of this movie is in black and white, and we do the windmill thing from Frankenstein. Let's go. (laughs) From the moment of his first line where he said, you know, oh, over so petty a thing is grave robbery. The moment I heard the delivery on that line, I was like, oh, I I found my favorite character in this movie. (laughs) Oh, what a film. What a film. He's perfect and beautiful. The DVD is a fun, like, old-fashioned-y, like, you know, it's got all weird special effects and set <laughs> tours and stuff. My favorite bit, they also have blooper reel, which is a good old blooper reel, mostly of actors falling over. <laughs> but the best part of it that needs to be called out is that there's a scene of Frankenstein's monster in the ice block. 
<laughs> and he turns to the camera and deadpan says, I'm a cold hearted bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, that's amazing. It's really good. Internet, we need a gif of that. Yes. Oh, please. Like I said, the novelization, not super juicy. The best thing about it is, in fact, that at the very end of this, like, eh, just whatever novelization, the author, Kevin Ryan, who previously had worked on Star Trek novels and the Roswell series novels, uh, <laughs> is like, by the way, here's my AOL email address <laughs> in case you, you want to let me know what you thought. And he doesn't even have, it's not even just his name, like he had to put his birth year in it, because I guess he couldn't nab K. Ryan at AOL.com, <laughs> someone else had it already, which just, how different was the world in 2004 that an oh my author God. could just be like, by the way, here's my AOL email address, this is totally only gonna live good things. My personal email address. My personal email, in case you want to let me know what you think of this mediocre movie novelization. <laughs> God. I haven't tried emailing it. I don't know if he still has it or not. Maybe we should set up a Patreon goal. Yeah, Patreon <laughs> goal, X number of dollars, we will email the guy who wrote the novelization to see if that address still works. <laughs> With some thoughts and concerns. <laughs> this movie is just so fun. This movie just has so much fun. It's delightful, and it's infinitely better than the attempts at the Universal Monster Universe crossover stuff that Universal has been trying in the last decade or so. Yeah, apparently, like, the last attempt that they did most recently at doing a reboot of this was stymied because originally they were planning on having Tom Cruise replace Hugh Jackman as Van Helsing, and then Tom Cruise left the project to go be in The Mummy. <laughs> And then the mummy was terrible, and they were like, maybe we don't do anything with some Universal Monsters for a while. So I don't know if they were planning on making this Von Helsing movie part of the Dark Universe project or what. Which is weird, because this is the crossover Universal Monster project that they've been trying to make. <laughs> this has got a cameo from Mr. Hyde. I was genuinely surprised that there wasn't a post credit stinger on this movie. Right? It feels like it needs one. It feels like there should be a post credit stinger. And here's the Gill Man. <laughs> it's delightful it makes me sad i don't know why this movie didn't do well i feel like it's just so much fun i think i saw it in theaters because i was like already obsessed with hugh jackman but it's a good like home movie viewing it's got enough spectacle that it's probably nice on the big screen but it's just anytime someone's like hey you want to watch van helsing i'm like hmm do i want to just like have fun for a couple hours and watch lines be delivered with 100% intensity over and over again? Why, yes, I do. That is always a good way to spend two hours. <laughs> I definitely remember seeing this in theaters in 2004, and I would have been in high school at the time, and I'm pretty sure this is one of the movies where my friends and I were making so much raucous noise about this incredible film that, like, the usher had to come in twice to ask us to keep it down. Good. Correct. <laughs> I think I saw this movie for the first time in its natural environment, which was a paid cable movie channel. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watched a rip my dad did from the local not-blockbuster that was in the uh, funeral home. <laughs> it is time for our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? Werewolves are good. <laughs> <laughs> and literally any story would be improved by the addition of a werewolf. <laughs> Mac, what's your final fact? My mind has been so tainted by 2012's The Raven <laughs> that every time someone said Carl's name, I looked for a raccoon on screen. 
Annie, what's your final fact? I'll say it before and I'll say it again. Let women be werewolves. <laughs> Anna should have turned into a dope werewolf to kill Dracula because that was her whole family shit was it was their job to kill Dracula and they didn't. Make Anna a cool werewolf. Do it. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Being a werewolf solves so many problems. And causes many other problems, but it does solve a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, Alexi, what is your final fact? I think my final fact is that irony is a poison <laughs> and everything should be delivered with as much intensity and belief as possible. And the stupider it is, the better and the more you need to commit. That's perfect. Perfect. Commit to the bit. Absolutely perfect. Everyone, please. <laughs> Dear God. We do have a next episode for you. What, what is our next episode, Mac? It's Kindred the Embrace. Oh my goodness. Which is Kindred the Embrace once passed a copy of Vampire the Masquerade Source book in the bookstore and decided to base the series on it. It's the LaCroix of <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> Kindred the Embrace, the TV show, is the LaCroix of Vampire the Masquerade. That's incredible. Alexi, thank you so much for coming on and gushing about Van Helsing with us. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. I would do it at any time. Like I said, right before I watched Van Helsing to my brother, I could unprepared gush about Van Helsing for hours at any point, but also having an excuse to just watch Van Helsing again was also lovely. <laughs> so thank you for having me. And Alexi, if you would like to be found on the internet, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at A.M. Peppers, A-M-P-E-P-E-R-S, where I talk about a mix of, I guess, game developer stuff and sometimes yell about Ben Helsing novelization when prompted. Also, you can find me on Gem Jammer, along with all these lovely people. <laughs> so join us next time when we'll be going over Kindred the Embraced because the Halloween train does not stop until it slams directly into Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what's thanksgiving we don't care it's christmas preamble i'm sorry people who like thanksgiving the best sorry jake you don't edit this one that one belongs to paul blart paul blart knows <laughs> thanksgiving that's true that is paul blart mess now i will fight you comes out every five weeks it is edited by lucas brown of the math of you podcast you can find him on twitter at locified or at the math of you or math of you don't worry about it lucas it's fine don't correct me I know what I'm doing. I don't. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at CRC Podcasts or on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay, where you can find information about this podcast as well as our others, such as Gem Jammer, where you'll find Alexi on the reg doing gay space adventures with us, which we all love very much. Alexi in particular plays a horrible little forest goblin who is basically George of the Jungle. She is the perfect <laughs> himbo. I love Alviva. I've got a pet dragon called Breadsticks. There is a pseudo dragon called Breadsticks. It's very good. She's a good girl. If you would like to support us, a like, rating, review, subscriber, if you find us is always super helpful, helps our metrics. If you want to support us with dollars, you can do that on patreon.com slash the gem jam, where for a dollar a month, as little as that, or as more, uh, as more dollars. As more as that. <laughs> Give us money and you can get bonus episodes of other sub shows that we do and put out from time to time. You can get episode notes for I Will Fight You, early episodes of I Will Fight You in particular, as well as stuff for all of our other shows, which I think they're all pretty good. And you should give us money for that. No reason. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Help us pay Lucas. <laughs> he makes us sound much better than we are. Yeah, these episodes would be way slower and less organized without Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. Join us next time as we talk about Vampire the Masquerade.
or Vampire the Awakening. Kindred the Embraced. <laughs> Wrong on both counts. <laughs> Kindred the Embraced. It was one of those. <laughs> I didn't play White Wolf games. I just smile and nod. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And I'm Alexi. And we have fought you. If you hear a quiet rhythmic tapping, it's uh, literally cute little birds at my window. (laughs) God, you you Disney princess. (laughs) Today's fact. Wait, did we have a fact? We didn't Uh, have a fact. We didn't have a fact. Werewolves only shed until their first full moon.